internets. Welcome to a new episode of The Light. As always, I'm Scott Pearson and I'm joined by the hilariously unpredictable Detron Edwards and the mythical and diabolical John L. Fellas. What's up? What's good? What's up? What's up, Scott? How you How you been, man? How you been? Good. Anxious. I'm anxious. John. Oh, man. I'm anxious. Oh, man. man. I'm anxious, man. We had a plan for 2016. It seems like it's beginning Ooh. to come into fruition, man. But um, I don't know, man. How you feeling, though? Man, I'm feeling great. Man, I can't even begin to tell you how much the Facebook page is popping, how much Twitter is going off. I mean, people are really starting to come and understand what we're trying to do over here. And all I can say is, you know, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll tell you what's fucking with me, though, man. So we have a hashtag, and we've been using it for almost a year. You know what I mean? TLP, hashtag TLP. So anything that we post, we include that. So that, you, you know, if you want to hit us with the hashtag or search for our content, you can easily do that on both Facebook and Twitter. But what's fucking with me, man, is that Kanye's new album, they jacked our hashtag, or at least they tried to, man. Now, listen, I'm not going to get into the album. Come on. I'm not going to get into the album. You know what I mean? That's not what we're doing today. You know what I'm saying? But, damn, you couldn't leave our hashtag alone, man. You know whose fault it is. I ain't even going to talk about it. It's Det's fault, man. Det, what you do to Kanye, man? Det, what's up, man? To make what's up? him to make him jack our hashtag, man. I I ain't do nothing to him. I try to teach. Stop him lying. How Stop to lying. Speak. Look, man. I gave him hook on phonics, a, a book. He threw it back at me. And you, see, that's y'all don't understand. Remember, remember the video where they were told, they were following him and talking to him, and he ran into the street sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that. see, they didn't show you the beginning part of that. We were arguing, and I said, here, here's your hook on phonics book. You know, stop leaving it on my dresser. People think it's mine. Mm. He threw it back at me, and I yelled at him. I said, I hope something happened to your punk ass. And that's why he was looking down and didn't see that sign. He ran right into that sign. Dang. So, God don't like ugly. <laughs> Got so, you know. Sure don't, man. But how you been, Dad? How's your week been? I'm good, man. Still, yeah. you know, I'm still out there grooving, working, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, you know, you know, I, I honestly have to say I have to appreciate some of the people on the page. Yeah. I got reached out to by some of the fans and some people from Australia. I'll give you guys credit. They reached out to me and they said, where can we find you on YouTube? And I had to tell them, just like I tell everybody, I don't like putting my stuff on YouTube because there's joke thieves out there. You know, Amy Schumer. <coughs> Excuse me. So, like, people, you know, it's still jokes. I can't worry about that anymore. If I got to worry about somebody stealing my stuff, then I'm not doing what I'm doing. So, starting next week, I'm going to start taping all my stuff and start putting it on YouTube as best I can, mm-hmm. or at least on the page and stuff. I tell you, that I agree with them, man. I agree with them because our listeners are just getting a little snippet, just a little taste, a little teaser. You know, this could drive them to your page, man, get you a little bit more you know, publicity, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's a great idea. 2016, like I said, I make no apologies for what I'm about to do behind the scenes here. You know, I got some things that, that's popping off. Actually, I can say one of the things. I will be the person controlling a comedy channel for an internet uh, television show. If you have any comedians out there that want to submit something to me, you know, look for my uh, look for the link on my uh, hostile page, hostile the comedian. I'll be putting it out there soon, so you can go out there and check that out and submit your material, and we'll see if we can get you on. Right, definitely. So, um, before we kick this thing off, right, without getting into the Grammys and what they represent and all and all like that, I want to recap something with you guys and kind of ask you some questions regarding it. All right, so Kendrick's To Pimp a Butterfly won five awards, won five Grammys. Best Rap Album, Best Rap Performance, Best rap song, 
best rap collab and best music video. Now, I mean, let's take a look at the nominees for best rap album. Let's ignore for a moment that that, that the Grammys or the Academy in this in this conversation. It really has no idea how to discuss or how to begin this this type of conversation. Don't do that to me. You Don't do that. No, 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 no. I want to. I want to. I want to. And the reason why I'm doing I'm doing it on purpose because I got a problem with something. And I think this is the most intellectual way to address the problem. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about the nominees for best rap album. And again, I wanna I wanna say let's ignore for a moment that the Academy doesn't really know how to address hip hop. 2014 Forest Hills Drive, J Cole's joint, Compton by Dr. Dre. If you're reading this, it's too late, Drake. To Pimp a Butterfly, Kendrick. And the last nominee was The Pink Print by Nicki Minaj. Now, they obviously just listened to social media regarding, now when I say they, I'm talking about the nebulous industry or you know the Academy of Arts and Sciences or whatever they call it. They obviously just listened to social media regarding what's hot and what's not. And basically just listened what they found in alphabetical order. What do you guys think about those five nominees? Here's my problem. Um, I got to recuse myself from that question mm -hmm. for the simple fact that I don't listen to enough current hip-hop to be able to answer that. And the Grammys is based upon current. Now, you know, of course, you know, the Pimp a Butterfly, yeah. you know, of course, great album. Yeah. Epic. But, you know, and, and Dre's comp in the soundtrack, you know what I'm saying? That was, of course, is banging. More of a compilation type of situation. It's not like one artist. You yeah. feel me? Yeah, yeah. So I can't put that in as far as a best rap album. But I know they were just trying to fill the spaces, you know, make the category seem thick. But with but with all that being said, man, I, I like I said, I got to recuse myself because there's so much trash out there that the industry is pumping. And the Grammys is part of that trash pump. They are not the keepers of the flame. They are not trying to uh, promote, elevate, illuminate anything about the hip hop culture in a positive way. Not at all. All they're, all they're trying to do is look at some sound scans and say whoever made the most money, right. are, you know what I mean? That's the one that we're going to say is the best artist, which is so far from the truth is no ridiculous. Doubt. No doubt. Because we're talking about art. Right. We're not talking about who can make the most money. The amount of money you receive for something isn't always indicative of how much that something is worth. Mm -hmm. So I can't put an artistic value on something that is being judged upon with respect to monetary gain. And that's what the Grammys is all about. So I'm recusing myself. <laughs> you recuse yourself, then you just go in on the answer. I don't put any weight whatsoever into a Grammy now. Now, again, I'm not trying to take away from the accomplishments of the artists that won or the artists that were nominated. I'm talking specifically about hip hop. Whoever's on the board, whoever's voting is so out of touch with regard to what's representative of the art form and who's deserving of that pinnacle award. Now, again, I'm not trying to take away from, from Kendrick. I'm not saying they got it wrong here. I think this was an attempt by the Academy to maybe gain some respectability, some street cred, do you guys know who won last year or who won the year before? Any idea? Jesus. Jesus wins, wins every year. This is the reason you know why? why I don't listen to the graphics. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Why? Because no matter who you are, you could be calling everybody a bitch hole. You want to shoot wet shirt, this person, that person. 
every time they get up there, first thing I want to do is give an honor to God oh, for yeah. who, who was that. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be here and that is blessed. So yeah. Jesus won. Yeah, yeah. Jesus <laughs> won when he get up there, but before that, the devil wins. Because the devil is the one kicking their back and talking about, yeah, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. It's what the industry wants you to say. Corrupt these young minds. Give them the BS that we that you should be out there giving them. Make them think we all went to prison and we all sold tons of drugs. Now we rappers. Go ahead, give that to them. And these dudes get out here and push it and then and say, first, I want to get a, give an honor to God for who is my Lord and Savior and I would not be here without. Like, get the out of here with that, man. Right. Come on. You know I what? want somebody to get on stage with a chip too small, like or with like ODBs. Just take your fronts out. Like, listen, let me tell you something. You know, I'm not blessing nobody. I got money. We all getting high tonight. Peace. And just walk off the stage. Be real. You know, that that really speaks to what I'm about to say next. I think To Bimper Butterfly was really one of the best albums of 2015. But in my honest opinion, it wasn't the best one. In my opinion, now again, this is strictly my opinion, the best album that came out last year was Sky Zoo Music For My Friends. It was released just three months later than To Pimp a Butterfly, so it definitely fell within that window, you know, whether or not it could be accepted as, as, as an award recipient. It wasn't even nominated, but you're talking about 12 plus tracks of conscious, uplifting, cerebral hip hop that wasn't even a blip on the Academy's radar. And it was easily a much better LP than Kendrick's album. And it was not even discussed amongst the mainstream. You said, you said the Academy or the Oscars? Nah, actually. There was, I understood what you meant, oh, but you okay. didn't understand what I meant. Oh. Let's put, let's put them all on the same plane. You yeah. still don't get the same credit that we should get mm-hmm. with the Grammys. Mm-hmm. As the Oscars have now realized that, you know, we have power too. Mm-hmm. And when you insulted some of those major players this year, now it's starting to backlash like never before. One of your your all-time favorite boys and his wife spoke up. When his wife spoke up and you got the man that makes $20 million a film sitting up there boycotting the Grammys. Then you got Denzel boycotting the Grammys. These are some of your golden people. Right. When they start speaking up, then you start, you know, things start changing. So that may start happening with the Grammys also. But here's the thing. The competition that Kendrick is up against right now is nobody. Let's just be honest. I don't know. There you go. Uh, hey, there I mean, you go. Hear me out. Hear okay. me. Hear me out. Okay. Hear me okay. out. Okay. I'm going to read off to you and just tell me when to stop when you get sick of me reading them off. All right. Mm. Here are the hip hop albums released in 2015. Okay. To Pimp a Butterfly, Kendrick Lamar, Tetsu and Youth, Lupe uh, Fiasco, okay. Streaming Life, Smurda, Joey Joey Badass, mm-hmm. Summertime, Vince Staples, mm-hmm. and ASAP Rocky. At Long Island, mm-hmm. Dreams Worth More Than Money, Meek Mill, Futures, DS2, Jesus. The Album About Nothing, Wale, mm-hmm. Compton, Dr. Dre, The Documentary 2, The Game, mm-hmm. I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside, Earl Sweatshirt, Barter 6, Young Thug, <laughs> King, Pusha, Dark Before, Pusha T, Deeply Rooted, Scarface, Yep. Rodeo, I know some guy by Travis Scott. I mean, I touchdown to cause hell. Bootsy Badass, Mr. Wonderful, Action Bronson, Young Rich Nation, Migos, Shadow of a Doubt, Freddie Gibbs, Special Effect, Tech Nine, Cherry Bomb, Tyler the Creator. And I'm just going to read off to you 
the hip hop albums released in 1988. Stop me when you get tired of me reading them off. Okay. Ghetto, Ghetto Boys making trouble. Bang. Biz, Biz Marquee going off. DJ Jazzy Jeff, the Fresh Prince. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Mm. Boogie Down Productions, by all means necessary. Bang. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five on the strength. Run DMC, tougher, tougher than leather. Bang. Dougie Fresh, Get Fresh Crew, the world's greatest entertainer. Mm-hmm. Audio 2, What More Can I Say? EPMD, Strictly Business. Big Daddy Kane, Long Live Kane. Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Oh, you can stop right Eric there. Eric B. <laughs> Rock Kim, Follow the Leader. You can stop right NWA, there. NWA, Straight Out, I can't stop. Yeah. NWA, Straight Out of Compton. Ice T Power, all right? I could keep going with Easy E, Easy. That was Easy E, Easy Does It. I could keep going on and on. My point is, that's competition. Kendrick didn't have no competition, man. Ain't nobody here in Scarface but us. I'm surprised Scarface wasn't even nominated. I agree with what you said about Scarface. There is no reason, no reason at all, why Nicki Minaj should have been nominated. Now, again, I don't put any weight, any credence to anything that the uh, Grammys puts out there. I mean, I'm not shocked at all about this list. You feel me? The only thing I'm shocked about is that Kendrick's up there. But damn, yo. Scarface deeply rooted? No, man. He, he came with it. Brother Mob, he came with it with that one, man. But, but what I disagree with what you said was that Kendrick has no competition. Now, my retort to you, I understand why you said that. From whose perspective does he not have any competition? Because I'm telling you, man, you put that Butterfly Joint up against Music For My Friends by Sky Zoo. I think that's the better album. Sky Zoo didn't even get a golf clap. That's what I'm saying. You that's, so yeah. you're making my point for me. Mm-hmm. The only reason why Kendrick is busting through is because he had that strong underground swell. Mm-hmm. So you can't hold him back. He's too short, selling a million copies out of his trunk. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm not really a huge fan of French Montana, you know what I'm saying? But he's obviously a smart dude. So French Montana had a lot to say about exactly what you just said regarding Kendrick's positioning in the Grammy. What he said was the industry, again, that's that nebulous, you know, group that we are kind of applied to all the different studio bigs. He thinks that the industry is pushing Kendrick as the safe bet, you know what I'm saying, while trying to regain. I don't know if regain is the right word. I don't think they ever had street cred or respectability. But I think he's spot on with that. I think they know that they're kind of off base, that they're out of touch, you know what I'm saying, with the hip hop community. I mean, look, they, they call it best rap album. It's not a rap album. This is hip hop. You know what I mean? And I think that Kendrick was the person that they tried, that they decided he's the guy that they're going to put up front as the face of this. Again, not trying to take away from Kendrick and what he's accomplished. He's got a, he's dope. The album was dope. But, um, you know, somebody's guiding them or consulting with them about who they should put forward. I think it's painfully obvious that they don't get it. And I'm not sure that they want to. I understand what you're saying. Kendrick can only play against the team that they put against him. Yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. But the industry is not built for you and I. It's, it's not built for hip-hop heads. The industry is built for that low-hanging fruit. Whereas when you and I were growing up in the true hip-hop heads, they were releasing things at 24, 25, KRS-One. It may sound like those few years are just a few years, but that's a vast difference in maturity. And that's why, you know, there are so many problems with so many different things throughout our society is because these kids are listening to kids on how to handle adult matters. And that's all they're looking for. They're not looking for that sustainability. I just read you off 
a list of however many cats who just released in 2015. Half these cats won't be here in 2016. No. And half those cats shouldn't have been releasing albums in 2015. Some of them albums were dope. I mean, I, I always got to love Pussy T. I think Pussy T is dope, man. Tyler been um, in a Knife Wonder released Indie 500 in 2015. Dope album. Not even a blip. Right, right. Not even a blip. I don't even think they sold 100,000 copies, man. You know, hip-hop at its core is is rage against the machine. It's, it's, it's rebellious. Right, it's, right. It's competition at its foundation, making dope music. You know, recognition from the academy. You know, everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody. I mean, Jay-Z said it best. <laughs> I dumbed down my lyrics, doubled my dollars. Listen, I'm out here to make bread. Mm -hmm. You know, which is, which is why I can't necessarily go too hard on these cats who are releasing albums. While we're on the discussion of real hip-hop artists versus, you know, uh, acceptance from the industry. And again, I hate keep bringing up the industry. It's so irrelevant to, to the message and to the foundation of hip hop. But, you know, I think it's a perfect segue to begin talking about the artists that we're gonna feature this week. And that's none other than the Notorious B.I.G. One of the most iconic hip hop artists of all time. Christopher Wallace, Biggie Smalls, or just simply big, you know, to his contemporaries and to uh, most hip hop heads. Ready to Die was easily one of the best debut albums of all time, and then he followed it back up with Life After Death. So this particular episode here is is going to be special. It's going to be fire. It's going to yeah. be fire, but it's going to be special. It's going to be it's going to be sentimental to a lot of our listeners. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting this in and paying tribute, paying homage to one of the greatest hip hop artists of our generation. The notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls. Let's get it. I was a terrorist since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the scene. I used to have the trade deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black, smoking sacks up in axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks, rocking fly kicks. Honeys wanna chat, but all we wanna know is where the party at. And can I bring my cat? If not, I hope I don't get shot. Better throw my vest on my chest, cause niggas is a mess. It don't take nothing but front for me to start something. Bugging and bucking at niggas like I was duck hunting. Coming out just me and my crew, cause all we wanna do is. Got the hooker 
sinking. If money smell bad, then this nigga big is stinking. Is it my charm? I got the hookers eating out my palm. She grabbed my arm and said, let's leave calm. I'm hitting skins again. Rolled up another punt, bought a Heineken. Niggas thought the loaf out, a kid got choked out, blows were stoned, and a fucking fight broke out. <laughs> I enlighten you with uh, a little bit of hip-hop history and a little bit of black history. So let me put this down for you. I miss this brother. I wish he was still here because he was one of the funniest people to me I ever saw when I was growing up. On this date, 1938, actor Sherman Hemsley was born in Philadelphia. That's the actor who plays George Jefferson in All in the Family, The Jeffersons, and he played a different character in Amen. He never told everybody that he was sick. But he went out like a true man and died of colon cancer a few years ago. But rest in peace to Sherman Hemsley, one of the best that ever did it, especially when he played the character George Jefferson. He was the man. hip-hop history i gotta honestly say this was one of my favorite albums and i don't know how you stand with it yourself but this was one of my favorite albums when it came out and i'm sorry to see that this dude didn't excel to the level i thought he was i mean he's still relevant today in hip-hop history benny siegel drops the album the truth february 29 2000 this album was so serious to me. So rest in peace, Sherman Hemsley. Big up to you, Benny Siegel. Both out of Philly, by the way. For the hardcore hip hop listeners, we felt we would start doing something different on the show. A segment called Where Are They Now? One of my favorite groups was back then in the 90s, Onyx. The original members were Sticky Fingers, Big DS, Federal Star, and Sonny, Caesar. Their first album was big, with uh, Throw Your Guns in the Air, Slam. That's what booed him up and uh, achieved stardom for him. Slam propelled the, the hip-hop group into national fame because it also didn't just glamorize the thug part of dancing on the floor, it glamorized the rock part of dancing on the floor of slamming into each other which was slam dancing that's what they were about at the time saying and doing what they felt 
As we look forward, Big DS left the group to pursue a solo career, and remaining members released five more albums. None duplicated the success of their first debut LP, but in 2003, sorry to say, Big DS died of cancer. Stunny Caesar left the group in the 2000s. He released two more albums himself, and they went double wood, which means they did nothing. Then you have Fredro Starr, who sometimes does go back to rapping, but he's now an actor, appearing in more than 45 movies and TV shows, including a regular on the hit TV show Moesha in the 90s. Sticky Fingers also crossed over and started acting, which I say he's a, a hell of an actor. He's much better than Fredro Starr to me. He's appearing in episodes of Blue Bloods, and they continue to perform to this day as Onyx whenever they can. First track on the debut album, Ready to Die. Things done changed. I think this was kind of like his introduction into that whole things done changed from the perspective of my life has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, from, from where I was to where I'm going. You feel me? Yeah, for sure. I think it was genius where they named it because think about it, man. You open up this, you, you crack open this CD or this tape or, or, you know, however you bought it back in the day. And you look at the track listing and you see that the first track is named Things Done Changed. The first thing that hits your mind is, damn, Big done blasted through the door. He's about to change hip hop. I'm here now. Big was unsigned hype in the Source magazine. Yeah. If you made it to unsigned hype in the Source, you were official. Yeah, hip hop was changing. Right. So I think it was a message 
to the consumer of hip-hop and the hip-hop, look, this game has changed a little bit. Yeah. And I'm here to usher in that change. No doubt. I'll take you to verse one. Big was, Big was one of the greatest storytellers, you know, in hip-hop, period. Big put you in that spot because right. the best thing about a storyteller is when they can take you and I say some of the best storytellers like Mark Twain and you know like people like people like that or whatever mm -hmm. they can actually take you from the place that you're in and that's one of the great things about books but when they take you from the place that you're in and put you in that place where you can feel what they're talking about smell you know the cooking on the stove that they're talking about watch the people running up and down the street when they can put you in that zone that is the greatest thing about a storyteller to me he is the best storyteller there was in the game remember back in the days when niggas had waves gazelle shades and corn braids pitching pennies honeys had the high top jellies shooting skelly motherfuckers was all friendly looking at you know lounging at the barbecues drinking brews if that doesn't take you back, I don't know what does. I'm looking at it like going back to the golden era where things were fun. Mm -hmm. You could sit up there and stay out all day without your parents worrying about you, and you'd be home by dark. <laughs> the only thing he left out was Jerry Crows. The only reason why I'm bringing it up because I had one. <laughs> you know? But yeah, that's the only thing that he forgot about that. And you're right, it took you right back there. You know, he was a youth growing up in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And in the 80s, that this what he described, you know, everybody playing outside. I mean, you know, some people who listen to the podcast, y'all may be foreign to playing outside with all these <laughs> with all these gadgets everybody play with, you know, all these, you know. Who remembers in the summertime and you crack the uh fire hydrant in order for the water to come out? But uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but that's what everybody was doing at that time. Right. everybody was chilling, everybody was outside, everybody was friendly. Right. Turn the page to 1993. It ain't friendly no more. Right. So let me ask you, man. Everybody can relate to pre-93. But what happened, man? What happened? Turn your pages to 93. Niggas is getting smoked, G. Believe me. Talk slick. You get your neck slick quick. What happened, man? Crack. How many times have I'm you talked slow. about that on this show? How many times, man? What is hip-hop? It is the street reporter. Mm -hmm. And that's why it keeps coming up. They were kids who grew up. Teenagers threw it. Now they're adults looking back on it. Right. They're, they're artists, and they're bringing that artistic creativity and waxing poetically about it so we can all consume it, especially through the 80s because there are a lot of people who didn't have money. So, you know, that, that family vacation over the summertime wasn't really happening. You know, unemployment was high. Communities grew a little tighter through the 80s as a result of that. But at the same time, you had the communities being ripped apart throughout the 80s right. because of crack. Mm -hmm. There's that seminal line that big draws right here in verse one, turn your page now. Yeah. And then the whole song takes on a different rip. Right. I mean, then in verse two, he starts you off again with the reminiscing. Mm -hmm. And then second stanza, boom, cuts it. Right. You know what I mean? Right, and right. then in verse three, he doesn't even start it off with the nice, with the nice guy mm -hmm. or with the reminiscing. He's straight cut now. You know what I mean? He's straight going for your neck. That line in the sand is drawn in Big's rap because that line in the sand was drawn in the 80s with how the communities changed. 85, that crack tsunami hit, and it hit hard. You know what, man? You used that term for the first time. I can't remember which the Jay-Z. Was it the Jay-Z episode? Because that explains it so perfectly, man. It's, what is a tsunami, man? It's, just, it's a huge wave that just crashes down and destroys everything in its wake. Everything, Everything covering, you know, massive amounts of territory, man. Right. And then we hit the P.E. after that. 
And then we hit the ice tea after that. And then we hit the ice cube and all that. And the message was the same, yo. That whole white tsunami just permeated through everything, yo. Everything. Everything. And that's why when we talk about big, bringing it back to big, you know, it's one of those things, man, where, you know, it's, it's often talked about how he didn't write anything down, you know. But I submit to you right now, you don't have to write your life down. You can tell somebody a situation that happened in your life without looking at a pen and a pad. You go to verse two, man, and that's when Big gets real serious with the, with the criminality talk. I hear you motherfuckers talk about it, but I stay seeing bodies with the motherfucking chalk around it. And I'm down with that shit too, for the stupid motherfuckers that want to try to use Kung Fu. Instead of a Mac 10, he tried scrapping slugs in his back and that's what the fuck happens. Here you have an artist, a kid, you know, straight off the street, but he rose above it, man. He chose this medium to express himself, to uh, rise above it and, uh, you know, earn an honest living from it, man. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, that's the lesson that hip-hop teaches a lot of these kids, man, that you can do something more than what we're describing in our lyrics. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I have a big problem right, sometimes right. with reality rap and the influence and the impact that it has on these youngins, man, because some of them, they don't have the smarts or the savvy to be able to separate reality from fantasy, you know what I mean? So you have kids that are probably listening to this thinking that Big is like some, some gangster. And, you know, do you think that, you know, that was Big's intent? Uh, I, I think he took, you know, something that may not have been as dramatic as what he described here mm -hmm. and added yeast to it to make it more mm -hmm. dramatic, to make it more appealing, to make it more gripping. But at the end of the day, I understand, you know, do the ends justify the means? And I think yes, because I think it's a cautionary tale. Look at it from this perspective. Somebody who was 10 years old in the, when 82 hit, they have children now. Most of them will have children now. Think about what they have seen since 1982, 83 as a 10-year-old to now. And then think about how that has jaded and giving them a jaundiced eye towards society, especially if they grew up in the hood. You know what I mean? That, mm -hmm. that is the statistic that then grows up angry. And then that angerment and disenfranchisement passes down to the next generation. When we look at hip-hop and so many people who have an adverse opinion of hip-hop, when all it is is just news, the real hip-hop. It's about that walk a flock of flame bullshit. I'm talking about the real hip-hop. This is real hip-hop. And it may strike a nerve, but it's honest. He's talking about that crack epidemic. When the drug becomes more expedient for transactions, dealing with the miscreants has to become more expedient. So that's why everybody went from fighting to knives to guns. Because I ain't got a lot of time to deal with you hmm. like I used to. Little motherfuckers with heat want to leave a nigga six feet deep. One of the things I like to do when going through these verses and going through these, these records, man, is to identify the true message here. What's really going on? What's he really trying to say, man? It, it's, it's cool to talk about the Mac. It's cool to talk about the gauge. It's cool to talk about, you know, the chalk outline and all this and that. But at the end of the day, John, man, John and Dick, I think it's, I think it's about regret because we, we're smart people. Big is, big is a smart dude. He understands that what he's doing isn't right. You know what I'm saying? He knows that. Go to the end of verse right. three, man, and he, he, he lays it out for you real, real flat, man. He said, um, and now the shit's getting crazier and major. Kids younger than me, they got the Sky brand pages going out of town, blowing up, 
But six months later, all the dead bodies showing up. And maybe you want to grab the nine and the shoddy. But yo, I got to go identify the body. Damn, what happened to the summertime cookouts? Every time I turn around, a nigga getting took out. Shit, my mama got cancer in her breast. Don't ask me why I'm motherfucking stressed. Things done changed. Bro, he regretting like a motherfucker right there, John. Yeah, he is. That's regret, yeah, he is. man. Or he's not a sociopath. That's the humanist. That's 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 the that's the Tony Soprano, the human side. You know what I mean? So he really doesn't want to do this, man. I'd rather be at a cookout chilling. My man Imp left a tech and a nine at my crib. Turned himself in, he had to do a bid. A one to three, he be home the end of 93. I'm ready to get this paper, G. You with me? Motherfucking right. My pockets looking kind of tight. And I'm stressed. Yo, Biggie, let me get the vest. No need for that. Just grab the fucking gap. The first pocket that's fat. The tech is to his back. Word is born, I'ma smoke him. Yo, don't fake no moves. What? Treat it like boxing. Stick and move. Stick and Nigga, move. you ain't got to explain shit. I've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ship With the same clip and the same 4-5 Two point blank, a motherfucker sure to die That's my word, nigga even try to vote guard Have his mother sing it, it's so hard Yes, love, love your fucking attitude Because the nigga play pussy That's the nigga that's getting screwed and bruised up from the pistol whipping, webs on the neck from the necklace stripping. Then I'm dipping up the block and I'm robbing bitches too. Up the heron bones and bamboos. I wouldn't give a fuck if you're in here. Give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant. Huh. I'm slamming niggas like Shaquille. Shit is real. When it's time to eat a meal, I rob and steal. Cause mom Duke ain't giving me shit. So for the bread and butter, I leave niggas in the gutter. Huh. Word the mother, I'm dangerous. Crazier than a bag of fucking angel dust. When I bust my gap, motherfuckers take dirt naps. I'm all that and a dime sack. Where the paper at? Next track, give me the loop. Now, before we dig in, let me just say this, man. Easy Mode B easily is one of, I think, one of the most underrated producers of all time. He literally has his hand in some of the most iconic albums and records in hip-hop. Easy Moby's production on, on this album here was, I thought, was phenomenal. You know what I mean? He, he painted the picture so well. You know, Big was an artist, you know what I mean? And uh, he was painting on Easy Moby's canvas. I think it was completely dope. But this is the first track off the Ready to Die joint that Easy Moby was responsible for. And I think between this one and Warning are two of the most creative tracks that Big has ever done, ever. I mean, Big assumed the character on this track. And then he went back and forth with himself. This wasn't something that, you know, he recorded this, you know, in, in, in one take, I heard. One take. So you talking about, he must have looked schizophrenic in the booth. You know what I mean? No doubt, man. And the fact he changed his voice. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it was Biggie doing both for about a year. You ain't the first person to say that either. Man. Nah, man, I'm, I, just, I just gotta be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on this track here, Big kept the street. It's two dudes scheming. They stick up kids, you know what I mean? And they uh, they scheming to rob, man. And this is incredibly clever, man. I mean, you know, the first back and forth that they did, Big starts off with my man in for Lift the Tech and a nine at my crib. Turned himself in. He had to go do a bid. A one to three. He be home at the end of 93. But I'm ready to get this paper. G, you with me? 
And then the other character comes in. Motherfucking right. My pocket's looking kind of tight. And I'm stressed. Yo, big, let me get the vest. They hungry, man. Real I love how that serve in Bali, like you said, showed that he was a little either schizophrenic. He had a couple multiple personalities. Remember that cartoon from back in the day, man? I don't want to say it was Looney Tunes or whatever like that. But he had the big dog, the big bulldog. You know what I mean? And then, right, he, right. And, then he, and then he had a little dude, and he was yipping and yapping at his ankles. George, George, what are we going to do today, George? Where are we going? What are we going to do? And he's just, the big bulldog just walking, head up. You know, he's a big, strong, muscular dog, you know? And little dog's just yapping. What are we going today, George? What are we going to do? Big dog finally turns around, pissed off, smacks him in the face. Shut up. You know, we going to do this and that. Yeah, George, okay, George, I'm with you, George. I'm with you, I'm with you. That's the way I pictured this track here. You had the big dog, and he's just, you know what I'm saying? He's in, he's... He's walking down the street, you got this little dude kind of behind him. So, again, I go back to that first back and forth where, you know, the big dog is kind of like, yo, I mean, I'm trying to get this paper to you with me. Yo, little dude's ready to go to war. He's ready to get it, you know what I mean? And then the big dog comes back. Big dog comes back. No need for that. Just grab the gat. Smack him in the face. Shut up. No need for that. Just grab the fucking gat. The first pocket that's fat, the tech is going to his back. The big dog has wisdom, has street wisdom now. He knows. The average cat, he don't, he don't want it. He don't want it. All you got to do is just, just flash that steel. And then he's coming up off it. He's coming up off it. Just like Rakim said, you know, don't nothing move but the money. Word is bound, I'm going to smoke him. Yo, don't fake no moves. Treat it like boxing. Stick a move, stick a move. Stick a move. Yeah, don't nothing move but the money. Don't nothing move but the money, man. And then here come, here come the little dog. Now, this is the one that got me right here. Listen to this whole joint right here. It just, nigga, you ain't got to explain shit. I've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ships. With the same clip in the same 4-5, two-point blank, a motherfucker's sure to die. That's my word. Nigga even tried to bogart. He have his mother singing. It's so hard. Yo, this is supposed to be like a little young cat, right? Talking, right, about, right? talking about he's been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ships. That's to kind of give you just a little glimpse as to how hard these, these, these cats was going. So basically, he's been doing this his whole life, man. He's battle hard and hardcore. It don't get more hardcore than that, man. You know what no I mean? No doubt, man. Yeah. No doubt. And then at the same time, yeah. you know, he comes back with it and says, I'm slamming niggas like Shaquille. Shit is real. When it's time to eat a meal, I rob and steal because Mom Dukes ain't giving me shit. Yeah. So for the bread and butter, I leave niggas in the gutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little dude is going hard because Shaquille's breaking backboards and everything. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm taking her don't knock us. And if she's persistent, block her, block her, block her. I loved it. You know, because it told the real thoughts of real, real robbers. Mm -hmm. You know, real, real street kids that was robbing. I know dudes out there that was getting it around that time, and they was really doing it like that. Like, I, I don't understand what clicks in somebody's mind to be like that. Where every time they see somebody, the thought in their mind is like, "What's he got? What can I steal? What can I get?" But they told the truth. That's that's the way some dudes see it, and that's that's what it was. One of the things I like about tracks like this, and you know, the great artists can do it, is it kind of give you a little peephole into their mentality, how they handle certain situations, right? So if you go toward the end of the track, right, it's, it's the two characters going back and forth, right? So the younger one goes, oh shit, the cops, right? And Big goes, be cool, fool, they ain't gonna roll up. All they want is fucking donuts. The young one goes, so why the fuck you keep looking? Then Big goes, because I guess to get his life took in. I just came home, ain't trying to see Central booking. Oh, shit, now you're looking in my face. You better haul ass, because I ain't with no fucking chase. So lace up your boots, because I'm about to shoot. Shoot motherfucker goes out for the loop. You know, and I guess that's why he appealed to the street cat so much, man, because he was basically saying what everybody was thinking, what everybody was doing. 
Again, huge difference from Life After Death, man. But I think this one was the more gritty. But yo, check it, man. Like, we're getting deep into, you know, the literal meaning of his lyrics, man. But one thing we haven't touched on yet, really, is the masterfulness. I was searching for a word. Sorry for the pause. I was searching for a word. But is that even a word, masterfulness? It is now. It is now. It is now. It, it is now. The masterfulness that Big lays these lyrics down, man. I mean, we just came off this Rakim episode where we talked about how Rob was like a jazz instrument. You can't say big is anything less. I mean, at the end of the day, he's talking about these, these hardcore street scenarios, these, these, these environments, these pictures that he's painting. But he's laying the lyrics down so masterful, man. It's, it's, like, it's like you watching an artist paint on a canvas. I mean, do you see the two exactly. stark contrasts between the two things, man? You got the subject matter that's completely raw and street, but then it's like a painter in the middle of the street with, with a canvas that's, that's painting, like, you know, the street, and that's big. You know, I think that was the allure. I think that was what made him so endearing to us, man, because he took subject matter that's sensitive and striking and difficult to digest, but he turned it into a Picasso. Exactly. So you wanna be hardcore with your hat to the back, talking about the gaps in your raps, but I can't feel that hardcore appeal that you're screaming. Maybe I'm dreaming. This ain't Christopher Williams, still some empty. Got the feel one, cats I got the feel some. To let niggas know that if you fuck with big and heavy, I get up in that ass like a wedgie. Says who says me? The lyrical niggas saying Biggie off the street, it's a miracle. Left the drugs alone, took the thugs alone with me. Just for niggas acting shifty Sticks and stones, red bones But they gotta kill you quicker Especially when I'm drunk off the liquor Smoking fuck by the boxes Packing glasses Natural each and niggas like shot Next track, Machine Gun Funk Another easy Moby track, man This was this was a dope track right here, man This one doesn't get a lot of noise This one doesn't get a lot of respect off the album As being one of Big's signature tracks Or anything like that, man But from a lyrical standpoint, man this is start at the top. So you want to be hardcore. He's asking right. straight up with your hat to the back, talking about the gats in your raps. Who's he talking to right there, man? He's talking to a lot of those cats from the West Coast. Because that's all they were talking about was talking about the gats in their raps. But I can't feel that hardcore. Appeal that you're screaming. Maybe I'm dreaming. But this ain't Christopher Williams. Still some MCs got to feel one. Caps, I got to appeal some to let niggas know that if you fuck with big and heavy, I get up in that ass like a wedgie. <laughs> but you also can see in the movie that they did that BET runs like I think every month or every couple weeks religiously. This <laughs> is notorious. <laughs> Please stop running the BET. You see in that how real street dude he was. He was a cool, calm, collected dude. Mm -hmm. But how many times did he just snap? Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. But you say the wrong thing, bow. Mm -hmm. That showed a lot on this album. He showed all different sides of himself on this album. Big, like I said, Big laid it down real simple. His delivery was real complex, but Big laid it down real simple, man. Real simple. There was no mistaking what it is that he's talking about when he when he gets it to you, man. Because he doesn't want you to misunderstand him. Mm -mm. I'm going to tell you what it takes to be hardcore, basically. In the Land Cruiser Jeep with the Mac-10 by the seat. For the jackers, the jealous-ass crackers in the blue suits, I'll make you prove that is bulletproof. Big signature is his wordplay. His wordplay on this record is absolutely bananas. It's crazy, man. I mean, 
The end of verse one, he goes, sticks and stones break bones, but the gatter kill you quicker. Especially when I'm drunk off the liquor, smoking blunts by the boxes, packing glocks. It's natural to eat you niggas like chocolates. <laughs> hey man, if he's pulling these, these, you know, just straight off the head, I mean. <laughs> you know, step away from the kid. Yeah, yeah. He told you straight up, hey, I took the gloves off. I'm good, I'm done with the game, right? He said, says who? Says me, the lyrical. Niggas saying Biggie off the street, it's a miracle. Yo, they happy. Them street cats are happy Biggie's no longer on the street doing his thing. Left the drugs right. alone, took the thugs along with me. Just for niggas acting shifty. So, hey, I'm done with this, man. I'm, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try this hip-hop thing, but I'm still bringing some cats with me just in case you want to act funny. Because I know how that music game is just like the drug game, yeah. and I'm going to have to fight for my money. So I want to have those cats with me that I know is going to get down and get busy. Them cats in the boardroom, the executives, the real gangsters. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just love how Big kept it real, man, with this one, man. I'm doing rhymes now. Fuck the crimes now. Come on the ab. I'm real hard to find now. Cause I'm knee deep in the beats in the Land Cruiser Jeep with the Mac 10 by the seats. First of all, he loves that Mac, don't he? He talks about that Mac yeah, in, in every record, every joint he talks about the Mac, man. But he, he told you, I'm, I'm done with that street life. Right. But I still have it in me. Like, I can, I can still get down if you want me to. Yeah. I mean, he even continues that because in verse three, he says, So I guess you know the story, the rap side, the crack side, how I smoke funk. Smoke bitches on the backside, Bed-Stuy, the place where my head rests, and what does he got for you? 50-shot clip if a nigga want to test. The rocket launcher, Biggie stomp ya, high as a motherfucking helicopter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why I pack a Nina, fuck a misdemeanor. Beating motherfuckers like Ike beat Tina. He's back to that boardroom. He's giving you what he left and where he's trying to progress to which is why I think there's such a stark contrast between ready to die and life after death. Mm -hmm. He's talking about sticking up a whole damn train. You understand what I'm saying? Jesse James I mean, style, man. Yeah, he's talking about like this is the stagecoach. But that speaks to the level of desperation that he and other minorities were feeling coming up through what they were coming up through in the 80s. Right, right. Because of the systematic racism and the systematic injustices ripe at every corner. Everywhere you turned, there was a way to get you hooked up. You know what I mean? It's, and it's a revolving door. You know what else I like too, man? In my opinion, and I know I'm kind of painting with a broad stroke here, man, but all the good ones, all the, the icons, they love to, to drop little subtle nuggets in their tracks. Rakim, he loved to, he, he, he was always giving you the formula. You want to know how to be like Rakim? Here's how you do it. Right. And Rock gave you the formula. He told you straight up. First of all, ain't no mistakes allowed. See what I'm saying? Second rule, hey, you got to be able to put it together. It sounds simple, right. but it ain't. Big did the same thing on this album right here. Go to the end of verse three, man. Okay. He said, niggas want to know how I lived the Mac life. Making money, smoking mics like crack pipes. It's type simple and plain to maintain. I add a little funk to the brain. You want to know how yeah. I do this? I <laughs> raise myself to a higher plane. I just get high. You know what I'm saying? Get in the booth and just let it do what it do. That's where I think mm -hmm. people have overdone it with that lyric. You know what I mean? Because they've taken it to the nth degree, yeah. and now everybody can smoke some weed and step in the booth, and all of a sudden, poof, you got a hit. Right. And unfortunately, that ain't it. Right. That's not how it really works. Right. And you, you want to have something else, yeah. which is called that authenticity. No doubt.
Messaging me at 546 in the morning Crack of dawning, now I'm yawning Wipe the cold out my eye See who's this page of me and why It's my nigga Pop from the barber shop Told me he was in the gambling spot And heard the intricate plot A niggas wanna stick me like flypaper neighbor Slow down love, please chill, drop the caper Remember them niggas from the hill up in Brownsville That you rolled dice with, yeah, my nigga fame up in prospect Nah, them my niggas, nah, love wouldn't disrespect I didn't say them, they schooled me to some niggas that you knew from back when When you was clocking minor figures Now they heard you blowing up like nitro When they wanna stick the knife through your windpipe slow So, thank fame for warning me, cause now I'm warning you I got the Mac, nigga, tell me what you gonna do Next track, warning Another Easy Mo B track. Are y'all tired of hearing me say that yet? Uh, not at all, not at all. I like Easy Mo B, man. Yeah. And I like the fact he gave him some love in the intro because he isn't talked about enough. Yeah, he's an icon, man. Easy, if you listening, you are welcome Come on. with open arms on the Light Podcast. We will dedicate an entire no show to you, fam. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Please, come through, man. Come through, man. But yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. This one here is uh, just to kind of, you know, cap off what I want to say about Easy that Isaac Hayes walk on by joint. First thing, uh, first thing off top, I think about when I hear walk on by is Dead Presidents. One of my yep. favorite movies of all time. You bring in Isaac Hayes into any song. I don't care if it's on beat. I don't care if it's classical music, bro. You're gonna get an ear from me. The production on this thing was flawless, flawless. And um, another, you know, incredibly creative track by Big. You know, he's going back and forth with one of his one of his boys, you know, on the phone about, right. you know, some rumors that he heard from the street that um, from the barbershop, to be exact, that he was exactly. about, that he's about to get stuck up. So, again, it's, it's big playing a character pop who's calling himself <laughs> to uh, to uncover the cape. And um, I think his first verse is probably one of the most memorized. One of the most recognizable uh, verses of all time. This just right here, and, and I'm gonna say it the best way I can say it, like Big says. This is a labyrinth of lyrical expertise put down on wax because he does nothing but destroy this track. For him to spin it like this, everybody knows that one old man in the neighborhood that knows every damn thing that's going on in the street. Yeah, uh, boy, I know I know your real daddy is. You know what I'm saying? So that's pop at the barbershop, especially. And where do you get most of your info in the streets from? The barbershop, the beauty shop, forget the newspaper, forget the internet. You want to know what's going on in the hood? Sit in the barbershop all day long. Who the fuck is this? Paging me at 546 in the morning, crack of dawn, and now I'm yawning. Wipe the cold out my eye. See who the fuck is paging me and why. It's my nigga Pop from the barbershop. Told me he was at the gambling spot. Heard the intricate plot. Niggas want to stick me like flypaper neighbor. Slow down, love. Please chill. Drop the caper. Well, I could probably recite that in my sleep, man. <laughs> no doubt. When I first heard Warning, you know, I got a mixtape. One of my boys like, yo, wait till you hear this one dude, Biggie, on it. I'm in the shower, yo. And Warning came on. It made me stop in the middle of my shower, man, rewind my joint, and play that shit again, man. And I'm standing in the shower, man, with the shower curtain open, just listening to this freaking cut. Mm-hmm. And because at the time, hip-hop was bump, skippity, bump, skippity, bump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every When warning dropped, nothing in the streets sounded like it. Nah, nothing. The first thing that popped in my head, man, was Ice-T's 
six in the morning. I knew you were going to say for that. For some reason, for some reason, to me, the cuts, you know, the lyrics aren't similar. I knew you were going to say that. Let me tell you why. So besides the obvious, you know, the, the first verse where he said, paging me at 546 in the morning, I was going to say I think Big was somehow paying homage to, to Ice-T with that. You think? You I think? think I think so, man. But I love the back and forth, just like I love the back and forth and give me the loop. The back and forth in this one is so it see it just sounds so natural. It sounds exactly like a conversation you would have with one of your boys, you know. And he was like, "Remember them niggas from the hill up in Brownsville that you rolled dice with, smoking blunts and got nice with?" Yeah, nah, that's my nigga fam up in Prospect. Nah, them my niggas. Nah, I love with and disrespect. Then Pop comes back and is like, "I didn't say them." Almost like, yo, he's like, pay listen. attention, pay attention, bro. Listen, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something. Listen. Chill. <laughs> Before you get all worked up. Nah, hold on. Right, man. right, shut, shut right. Up. You know what I mean? Shut your mouth. Let me let me say this. They scooped you some <laughs> other niggas that you knew from back when, when you was clocking minor figures. And Big was like, oh, okay. Now I'm listening. <laughs> now now you got my attention. Yeah, just that back and forth, man. It, I mean, everybody, yeah, man. It, we all got, you know, crews like that. No doubt. Man. You know what I mean? So it just was real relatable to me, even though I was never in that life. You know, I was never about that life, man. It was, we talked like that. You know, we yelled at each other like that. And again, man, that, that clever playfulness, man, that, that Big had, man, on, on each and every one of his tracks, regardless of the subject matter. You know what I mean? He was just, he was masterful. There's my word again, the masterfulness. Now they heard you blowing up like nitro. And they want to stick a knife through your windpipe slow. So thank fam for warning me, because now I'm warning you. I got the map. Nigga, tell me what you're going to do. So, yeah, that's his, that's his weapon of choice. That's his, that's his thing right there, man. I don't like the remastered version because at the end of this, instead of there just being two gunshots, there's like a hail of bullets. Right. It was like a shootout. They removed what you heard was, oh, you got a red dot on your head, too. Oh, shit. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just brings it full circle to a certain regard because now he's been warned and now he's taken out the cats who's supposed to come at him because he has been warned. You know, he tells you everything that he has in preparation because he knows that he's that kingpin. You know what I'm saying? Because I done done all those things from verse 2 through verse 4, I blown up. Now they heard you're blowing up like nitro. That happened the first three cuts. You can tell when an artist is being authentic because their lyrics stack up without them really having to do it. You know, in the 10 Crack Commandments, Biggie talked about how you never sell no crack where you rest. I don't care if they want to ounce, tell them bounce, you know? So here's Big telling you, you know, uh, once again, because in Machine, or excuse me, in, uh, yeah, Machine Gun Funk, he told you about getting out of town. You know what I mean? So now here again, he's telling you, because they're talking about the people trying to come getting about the pounds he got down in Georgetown. They're not talking about the pounds he got in Bed-Stuy, where he stays. He told you where he stayed. They ain't talking about any drug activity he did in Bed-Stuy. Mm -hmm. So there he is stacking that lyric up, that principle up, about how to be thorough in that drug game. Talking about the Rolexes and the Lexus with the Texas license plates out of state. Right. Bro, he's not, he's not moving anywhere near Bed-Stuy. Everything is down south, man. This isn't made up. This is authentic. Touch my cheddar, fill my Beretta. You know what I mean? Because you mess with my money, I'm coming after you. Big told you at the end, I fuck around and get hardcore. C4 to your door, no beef no more. It's over after that. Yeah, listen, man, that's, that's one of my favorite lines because I'm a Marine. Yeah. So, you know, I learned how to deal with C4 and stuff, and it's a very powerful situation. Mm -hmm. So when I heard this in 94 when he dropped this, and I'm fresh out of the Marine Corps, 
I'm like, damn, they're throwing C4 out here in the streets. It got that bad <laughs> because it's very dangerous. C4 is nothing to play with. You know what I mean? That's some real high-level gangster-level type shit. You know what I mean? Feel the rough scandalous. Yeah. The more weed smoke I puff, the more dangerous. I don't give a fuck about you or your weed crew. What you going to do when Big Papa comes for you? I'm not, I'm not running. Nigga, I bust my gun in. <laughs> I'm not running after you. I want to shoot you down the block. I ain't chasing you. And that's why when you hear the end of the cut with the, you know, where he's playing the two dudes talking, because mm -hmm. he says, I'm not running. Nigga, I bust my gun in. Oh, wait, hold on. I hear somebody coming. And then they start talking about the laser dots on their head. He didn't go out there running for him. He sat right in his crib and knocked him off. We're going to kill your ass. I'm ready. As I grab the Glock, put it to your headpiece. Run in the chamber, the safety is off. Release straight at your dome. Holmes, I want to see cabbage. Dicky Small the Savage, doing your brain cells much damage. Teflon is the material for the Imperial. Mike Ripper, girl stripper, the Henny Zipper. I drop lyrics off and on like a light switch. Quick to grab the right bitch and make her drive the cue. 45 blocks and checks are expected when I wreck shit. Respect is collected, so check it. I got techniques dripping out my butt cheeks. Sleep on my stomach so I don't fuck up my sheets. Look, my shit is deep. Deeper than my grave, G. I'm ready to die and nobody can save me. Fuck the world, fuck my moms and my girl. My life is played out like a jerry curl. I'm ready to die. Next track, Ready to Die. Another easy mobi joint. Just listen to how he opens up this track. As I grab the Glock, put it to your headpiece. One in the chamber. The safety is off release. Straight at your dome, Holmes. I want to see cabbage. Biggie Smalls the Savage doing your brain cells much damage. Hey. I don't even know if there's a better way to explain or set the tone for attracting that. First of all, I mean, playing off the title, Ready to Die, Big is going in right here. There's no mistaking what his intention is on this track, man. He understands the consequences, but he wants to make sure that you understand the consequences of dealing with him all. And again, playing with the words, playing with vocabulary to make his point. And I think that's what makes Big so genius. He took that simplicity and made it algebra. Whereas, you know, with Rakim, he took algebra and made it calculus. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, some people are going to hit you with that straight jab. Yeah. Other people are going to hit you with, with that overhand left. I'm here and I'm not leaving. That's what this is right here. Because he's telling you, I'm ready to die for mine. Because he brought you through the steps already, right? The intro, things done change. Give me the loot, machine gun funk, warning. I'm ready to die for this right now, man. There's no more playing about my game right now. And everything that he talks about here, he's talking about either him dying or you dying. If you really look at the words, he's talking about ending you. He ain't really necessarily talking about him. I take you to verse three, man. My favorite part of verse three, man. Your face, my feet, they meet with stomping. I'm ripping them seeds from Tallahassee to Compton. Bro, who's he talking about right there? Everybody down south in the game. Yeah. And he's talking about that West Coast crew right there at the same time. Basically, what he's saying is I'm bringing hip-hop back to New York. You, you know what? He was quoted as saying that, and this was an honest quote from Big. He said, ready to die was killing off the old Big. And that was life after death. That's when he invented, you know, he came about being the new him. Poetic and to me, a visionary. Because he envisioned himself being more than just what hip-hop was. But I got a question back. I mean, do you think Big is the one that set this off? 
I mean, you look back at that line I just quoted you, man. I'm ripping them. You mean about from Tallahassee to Compton? Yeah, then he said Biggie Smalls on a higher plane. He was still cool with Pop around this out this time. If he really wanted to say something, he could have said, you know, I'm crushing me down in Miami where Luke and all of them was, and then say, I'm going to Compton next. He had no beef with Death Row and them at first. You know, I definitely um, think that when, when we break it down, man, with that whole situation, to me, it always seemed like Suge was the great divider. And it's just, you know, it's just in some people's nature, you know, some people are scorpions, man. You know, it's not necessarily you know, something that they can necessarily even control. For me, that whole verse there, ripping MCs from Tallahassee to Compton, was no different than the way, you know, Kumo D and LL and everybody else used to verbally spar. I don't think it had anything to do with trying to start some trash. This was just that typical lyrical type of competition that hip hop was set up as. Even when it was, you know, it first started off as battle rap on the corner. So when did everybody become so sensitive? Yeah. That's the question, you know what I mean? And when you look at that question, you got to look at, you know, the individuals in that matter who were the agitators. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't there. I'm not claiming to be there. But from all accounts, it seems as though there were people who were involved in the music game for a long period of time who always seemed to seek to divide crews that they were a part of. Yeah. And it was, rev it was evident how N.W.A. broke up and then how Dre left Death Row. And how everybody else left death row and what they said. But based upon the commonality of the accounts from individuals that have dealt with Suge, it, it's always come back to him being someone who was always in the background starting, you know, riffs. Because you can divide and conquer. I mean, that's an old tactic. Yeah, with that being said, I want to end this, this review of this track, this particular track, on one, on one line that I think kind of sums it all up as far as what Big's intentions are and where he's trying to get. You know, my mother didn't give me what I want. What the fuck? Now I've got a Glock making motherfuckers duck. Shit is real and hungry is how I feel. I rob and steal because that money got that whip appeal. You know what I mean? He's about getting that money. He's about changing the situation to something else. You know, even though this track here was, you know, real, you know, real rugged, you know, at the end of the day, it's about money. It's about money for, for the hustler. It's about money for for the hip-hop artists as well, you know what I mean? So, I mean, he laid it down for you real clean, real clear right there. Hi, Daddy. How you doing? This is Tyke. I was thinking about you last night. Mm. You acting like you can't call me no more because you busy and all of that, but you trying to tell me it wasn't good? That shit is real fucked up what you did. I hooked you up with my girl and shit. You fucked her every time you see her. You don't say shit to her, you know what I'm saying? And all that bitch do is call me all day talking about you. Why the fuck Big don't want me? Yo, Big, this is Quita. Kenya told me she saw you and Shane in the mall, and I know you ain't fucking her. You fucked with me last night. That's my best friend, and we don't get down like that. Yeah, motherfucker, this is Stephanie. I was waiting outside for your ass, you like a fucking hour. I don't know what's going on, motherfuckers trying to rob me, you be disappearing and shit, I'm waiting in the cold, what the fuck is going on, when you get in, give me a fucking call, alright? When it comes to sex, I'm similar to the thriller in Manila. Honeys call me bigger, the condom filler. Whether it's stiff tongue or stiff dick, Biggie squeeze it to make shit fit. Now check this shit, I got the pack of Rough Riders in the back of the Pathfinder. You know the epilogue by James Caan. Smith, I get swift with the lyrical gift. Hit you with the dick, make your kidneys shift. 
Here we go, here we go, but I'm not domino I got the funk flow to make your drawers drop slow So recognize the dick size in these Hawkeye jeans I wear 13s, know what I mean? I fuck around and hit you with the Hennessy dick Mess around and go blind, don't get to see shit The next batter, hear the shatter, your blatter, it doesn't matter Skinny or fat or light skin, the black baby, I drop these Monique with my me, screaming I poppy I love it when they call me Big Pop But I only smoke blunts if they roll prop But look, I got ya Caught up with the drunk flow Fuck Taekwondo, I told a fofo For niggas getting mad cause they bitch chose me A big black motherfucker with G You see, all I do is separate the game from the truth Big bang boots from the Bronx to Bolivia Getting physical like Olivia Nuke Tricks up my click dick all day with no trivia So give me a hoe, a bank roll and a bag of weed I'm guaranteed to fuck until I nosebleed Even if your new man's a certified Mac You get that H-Town in ya You want that old thing back? Let me say one thing about this particular track right here. I think it was genius. Not the lyrics, not the production. I mean, let's just keep it real. I mean, we're all visual people. When I say all, I mean everybody. We're all visual people. And when you see big, you know, sex appeal isn't isn't something that comes to mind, right? I mean, let's just let's just keep it brutally honest. You know what I mean? And then when this particular song came out, it's all about sex appeal. They made it work. I don't know how they did it, but they made it work. And here's the reason why. What's the famous line from this? You know, fat, black, ugly as ever, right? However, everybody after this, it just came down to the fact of just confidence it's just if you have confidence it doesn't matter what you look like if you have confidence then you're going to be able to persuade somebody in your direction you know what though? i'll tell you something i like the original version i think just as good or maybe slightly better than the remix the one with the bars you know stay with me the reason why is because in my opinion i think the lyrics on the original i'm talking about the original chucky thompson joint i think it was a little bit more but a little bit more clever first of all he paid homage to ll the epilogue by james todd smith i get swift with the lyrical gift and then he paid homage to the ghetto boy is my mind playing tricks like scarface and bushwick willie d having nightmares of girls killing me i mean it was just a little bit more raw. It was less, it was less player player and more more raw, in my opinion. And it was, I got you. It, it fit the persona that that Big was trying to to purvey. Do you think it had to do more with Puffy? Yeah. Trying to make him into because you know Puffy, he did see the 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 commercial the commercialization of of rap. He did. Puffy was great with that. That's why he put everybody in those shiny suits and. and you know, the big shades and mm-hmm. throwing money up and stuff like that. Puppy mm-hmm. saw that. That's a quicker way to cross over than anything else. The stuff that Biggie first was talking about may not get you crossed over. You know, like they learned in the, the, the 60s, you know, 50s and 60s, you build that base up, cross you over, and then everything else on your album goes. I think I think Puffy had a formula. He took a song that was already a hit, throw like a bass line underneath it, you know, throw some kicks and snares on top of it, and you got a hit. I don't care if it's P.B. Herman rapping on top of it. You got a hit at that point. You know, I'm not saying big as P.B. Herman, but I think what you're saying is spot on. I mean, he was trying to get that crossover appeal. You know, and uh, when you remix One More Chance, which was a little bit more gritty, a little bit more street, and then you throw the bards underneath and you, and you completely change the lyrics of the song and make it more smooth and suave, I mean, it's going to work. It's going to work. So I think that was part of Puff's master plan. He was trying to push Big to the forefront, and he was trying to, like you said, trying to give him some crossover appeal, and it worked. Say what you want about Puff, but he was a genius businessman. He knew how this business worked. And for a lot of years, this you know hip-hop moved the way he took it. The original One More Chance, in my opinion, had that raw production, and the lyrics just went much harder. It fit the persona of the album. 
Look, I got you caught up with the drunk flow. Fuck Taekwondo. I told a 4-4. The remix version didn't have that, didn't have that type of appeal to me, man. Me, I'm a, I'm a little bit more primitive with it. I like it because it was the first one that came out. And to me, it, like you said, it sounds a little bit more true to that persona. This is now the third generation for hip-hop. So to me, this is when everybody is just showing out. Everybody, like Depp was talking about how everybody went through that shiny suit uh, situation. You know, everybody, it was all about everybody got money now. I got money, you got money. When hip-hop came out of the 80s, nobody had money. Everybody was trying to get it. Now we got it in the 90s. You know, and we're going to show it to you like Debt brought up. No more was everybody looking towards that single release. They were looking towards that video. What does that video represent? Right. Money. But uh, outside of that, I mean, you know what I mean? It was just it was a nice little fun track. I thought it was genius, bro. I mean, remember the beginning? The girls on the on the uh, on the uh, damn, on the answer machine. On the answer machine. I was like, damn, what the hell you call that thing? Nobody has an answer machine anymore. You know, he yeah. was so busy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wasn't able to get back with everybody. And I was listening to those girls leave messages and it was like, big, get back to me, please. You know what not. And some girls mad and jealous and all so that. I was, I remember hearing right. that for the first time. I was like, get the fuck out of here. You know, got all these girls right. calling him like this. Like, get out of here, man. And then, like, you go down and listen to, you know, some of the lyrics. For example, he said, uh, the next batter, hit a shatter your bladder. It doesn't matter. Skinny or fat or lion skin or black. Baby, I'll drop these barrique with mommy swimming. I poppy. I love it when they call me Big Papa. I was like, yo, are you serious right now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the women, the girls felt, I mean, they was all over them, yo. I remember when I was in Hampton, they came down for, uh, for homecoming. Big and Puff came down for homecoming. Girls was going crazy. Bananas. And me, and we was looking at each other like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my favorite line out of the whole track was, uh, of course, what, you know, and, and Jay-Z used it later. I don't chase them, I replace them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then he continues on. And if I'm caressing them, I'm undressing them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that to me, again, it's a fun track, you know, and I still bang it to this day loudly. Sure. Even if you new man's a certified Mac, you get that H-Town in you. You want that old thing back. I want to see if y'all remember who H-Town is. It's the twins, Knocking Boots. Yeah. Knocking Boots. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Knocking Boots. They just did a uh, thing on them on Unsung. Because yeah. uh, one of the one of the twins died. Yeah, he got hit by a car or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a sad thing. But H-Town was, they were the shit back in the day, man. Like that said, knocking the boots, that's what it's all about right here. Big was a genius with it, you know what I mean? Throwing them those subtle clues and subtle his nuances, that's the word, of what he's trying to say. Everybody knew H-Town was knocking the boots. And then uh, he, he, he completed it with, you want that old thing back, and we all know what that is. Check out the end of the song where he said, uh, fuck the kissing, lick you down to your belly button, I ain't fronting. They don't call me big for nothing, all of a sudden. You see how clever that was, that last line right there? They don't call me big for nothing, all of a sudden. It has so many different meanings. Yeah, yeah. Big's gonna be around for a while. He's gonna be around in that bedroom for a while. <laughs> he was so clever. He's stupid. I used to get feels on the bitch. Now I throw shields on the dick to stop me from that HIV shit. And niggas know they soft like a Twinkie filling. Playing the villain, prepare for this rap killing. Biggie Smalls is the illest. Your style is played out like on the one that what you talking about, Willis? The thrill is gone. The black Frank White is here to excite. Throw dick to dice. Bitches are like I'm brainless. Guns are like I'm stainless steel. I want the fucking fortune like the wheel. 
I squeeze gats till my clips is empty, don't tempt me You don't want the Here I am, I'll be damned if this ain't some shit Time to spread the bud deliverance over harmony grit It's the mood killer death trap Yes, I'm a jet black ninja Coming where you rest at, surrender Step inside the ring, use the number one contender Looking cold booty like your pussy in December Nigga, stop bitching, button up your lippin' From method, all you getting is the can of ass whipping. Hey, I'll be kicking, you son, you doing all the yapping Acting as if it can't happen, your front ain't got me mad enough to touch something You one from Shallon, Allen, and ain't afraid to bust something So what you want, nigga, you want, nigga I got a six-shooter and a horse named Trigger It's real, 94, rugged raw Kicking on your goddamn doors Next track, the what? You can't find the original version of Ready to Die. I'm talking about the whole LP. You can't find it nowhere. The only version you're going to find, whether it's in the store, whether it's on Amazon, whether it's in iTunes or whatever, is going to be the remaster. Now, we all know what that is. They added two tracks, and then they also remastered all the original tracks of Ready to Die to give it, you know, that hi-fi feel to it. But they did one other thing that's fucked up, in my opinion. You know, they removed the what? And that's the one record on the whole album to feature another artist other than Big, and that's Method Man. So my question to y'all is why? I have my own opinion, my own theory as to why, but I want to see if y'all have any insight as to why this track was removed. Puff sat up there and got in his feelings. I agree. Why? You, you got, got, got Meth Man on the album. Why? Why? If you want him on the album, then I'm off, pig. But he was on, <laughs> he was on the original joint, though. But uh, here's my thing, man. So Puff was the executive producer of the Cal Zero. I remember, I, I remember Meth. I remember Meth came out and was like, "Yo, I'm not happy with this album and the way it came out." And remember after after Big died, Puff came out with that duet joint. Yeah. And then Meth came out publicly and was like, "I'm not feeling this." He was like, "You got people on this album that Big don't even fuck with." There's people on there that Puffy got on there just to make money. Right. It's not about the leg the legacy of Big. Exactly. It's not people he who even knew Big. Exactly. I'm thinking, just like you said, I think Puff caught feelings. The What was one of the best records on the whole album. I mean, I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of, you know, the remaster. I wasn't a part of that project. It's just a theory in it. I think it's too much of a coincidence. I don't think it is a coincidence. I think that's exactly what happened. But, hey, you know what I mean? I'm not part of it. But That's right. Respect Dylon. Dylon, 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 Dylon. Yeah, man. Getting, getting, getting back to the track. The what? <laughs> Produced by my man, Easy Move B. This track, in my opinion, is real significant because of a few reasons, a few things. First of all, it was not a secret that the Wu and Big didn't really see eye to eye. They didn't get along too tough, man. Raekwon and Ghost didn't fuck with them. They didn't like them at all. They thought Big was a biter. You know, say what you want. You know, I don't know where they got the information from, but Meth was like, fuck it, man. That's my that's my dude. That's my guy. And so he got on this track with Big. And they created one of the best records on the whole album. The second reason why I think this track is significant is because this is the first time that Big references himself as the black Frank White. He said, like Arnold in that, what you talking about, Willis? The thrill is gone. The blank Frank White is here to excite and throw dick to dykes. It's the first time he it's the first time he called himself that, you know, and as you know, that's the persona that he took with him to the grave. I mean, he was known as the black Frank White. For me, man, the what was that first opportunity for me to see Big really get down with somebody who was like a top-notch dude at the time, yeah. so I can see how that flows. Pour that honey over harmony grits. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, man, this kind of solidified it to me that Big was that true lyricist because you can tell 
that he was just feeding off. It was kind of like that, that back and forth, that give and take. And I was like, all right, okay, this dude can really go. You know what I mean? And I think they called the song the what because they ain't have anything to call it. I think they were in the studio just screwing around. There's two things I want to mention. You, I want to go back to the first thing that you said about the title of the track. I found an old article in XSL magazine from back in the day about this track here. And uh, they were interviewing Easy Mo B. And uh, he was talking about how they were in the studio, you know, and they brought in Meth and, and, and Big. And, uh, you know, Easy Mo B already had the track. He already had it done. Big and Meth came in and they were, you know, throwing ideas back and forth. And they laid it down in like 30 minutes or some craziness like that. 30 minutes, the track was done. And then Puff came in, and they were like, well, what are we going to call this? You know, Easy Movie played it for Puff. And they were like, well, what are we, what, you know, what's this track going to be called? And, uh, and Meth was like, you know what? In Wu-Tang, what we do is, if you notice, the name of the song has nothing at all to do with the track. I mean, you go back and look at the track listings for, like, Enter the 36 Chambers. Right, some right. crazy ass, you know, I mean, what the hell? There's, I mean, it just, they name it whatever. I mean, some, there's some spiritual meaning behind it. The title of the track, right. they got nothing to do with the lyrics at all. And so they were kicking back some names. And so Puff was like, you know, Puff knew how Easy Moby worked. And he knew that he named his, he named his audio tracks. You know, he had, he gave him nicknames. So Puff was like, so, so Moby, what did you call this? And, Puff, and you know, he was like, I just called it the what? You know, and so Easy Moby actually named this track. And so the second thing I want to say was you mentioned about how Big and Meth was going back and forth. At that time, I thought Wu-Tang was... The best shit I ever heard. I thought there was nothing fucking with Wu-Tang. I thought that one through nine, they were the greatest MCs to ever do it. I mean, I listened to it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and everything in between. I even went to sleep to Wu-Tang. So the fact that Big was on this track with Method Man was huge for me, man. When I heard it, for me, that was the measuring stick. That's when I realized how dope Big was. Because in my opinion, Meth was everything. And then here comes Big, and it seemed like Meth was, I'm not going to say he was nothing, but it seemed like he was a little kid compared to what Big was doing, you know? Far from the inventor, but I got this rap shit sewed. <laughs> and when my Mac unloads, I'm guaranteed another video. So how he was able to uh, see at that time that he already understood this rap game and he knew he was going to explode through it, man. Basically, we were dealing with one of these guys who's going to be around for a long time, yeah. right off his debut album. Big did his thing on this on this track right here, man. I mean, it was just an incredibly lyrical track, and, and it was so clever. It was so clever how he brought Meth in. If you go to the end of verse one, he said, I want the fucking fortune like the wheel. I squeeze gats till my clips is empty. Don't tempt me. And then Meth comes in, T-H-O-D, man, here I am. It spoke volumes about the respect that Big had for Method Man because there's no other artist on this track other than Method Man. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the niggas in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard 
the hall You never thought that hip hop would take it this far Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight Time to get paid, blow up like the world's trade Born sinner, the opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri Funk, Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Ski I'm blowing up like you thought I would Call a crib, same number, same hood It's all good Next track, Juicy Now, me This right here is easily the most recognizable track On the whole album Again, it follows that puffy formula You know, you take a song that was already dope That in two made Juicy uh, record from back in the day And like I said, you could take P.B. Herman And throw it on top of that Juicy track And it would be a hit The message of the track was money I mean, it's, it's a typical... It's that it's that typical rags to riches story where, where Big kind of told you where he came from, told you the struggle that he had to deal with, dealing drugs on the roof and everything like that. His teachers calling him out in the middle of the class, telling him he wasn't going to be shit. And then look at him, here he is living in the mansion, number one hip-hop artist of all time. I mean, it's the ultimate feel-good story, you know what I mean? No doubt, no doubt. The bad guy makes it. And that's that era of hip-hop that we were in at this point. Everybody wanted to be the thugged-out gangster. And everybody wanted to tell their story of that street life since Ice-T brought that into play. You know what I mean? Not necessarily just Ice-T, because I know there was Schooly D before him. You know what I mean? He was known, of course, by the real hip-hop heads and things of that nature, but not necessarily by the masses. Ice-T did that. And now here you have where everybody's against. Everybody's the bad man. Now you got big, man. Yeah. I, I love how he gave props. He gave respect to all the, all the, the icons of hip-hop. Even even Word Up magazine, man. We all read Word Up magazine. That's where we got our information from. That's before the the internet era. That's before you know your MTV raps and Rap City and all that. Every Saturday, Rap Attack, Mr. Magic, Marley Mall. I mean, we talked about the Juice Crew on the last episode. I mean, but Rap Attack, exactly. was, Rap Attack was everything. That was the first hip hop show. I mean, they they created the format in Rap, New York. Yeah, Rap Attack. Yeah, yeah Rap yeah. Attack created the format for all of this. Even the show that we're doing right now. Smoking weed on bamboo, sipping on private stock. I mean, private stock, that was my drink back in the day. Remember rapping Duke? The ha, the ha, you never thought the hip-hop would take it this far? Yo, y'all remember the rapping Duke, man? Of course, man. Come on, man. Well, you think Come you're on, man. bad with your rap? Well, I'll tell you, Pilgrim, I started the crap. <laughs> that video used to have me rolling. He was in his boots, his cowboy boots, doing, well, see, a, doing the moonwalk and all that. Peace to Ron G, Brucey B, Kid Capri, Funk Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Ski. Big went back, man. He went back, and he, he, and he called on some of the icons, man. I mean, Ron G. Just, just talking about Ron G, I mean, from a mixtape perspective, he was everything. He was everything, man. But there's that one line that was removed, you know, uh, for the remaster. And we all know the one I'm talking about. John, I'm thinking you got something to say about it too, man. But he said, now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Now, this is 1994. I mean, this is six, you know, seven years before, you know, 9-11. So, of course, Big had nothing to do with that. He knew nothing about that. But one of the things they got right, if you want to really be honest and be and be straight about it, was, you know, changing this lyric. I mean, it was incredibly sensitive, especially when the remaster was released. You know, we'll talk about it to keep the integrity of the track intact, you know? Well, I definitely disagree that they should have changed it 150%. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I understand that, you know, I'm a, I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran. So, you know, I definitely fight for our country. So I am very patriotic. But if we're going to start censoring our music like that, then why not take out the word nigger? Nigger is going to offend or has offended 
more people than the 9-11 tragedy could ever. This is art. The blow up like the World Trade that he was referring to was the World Trade bombing that happened in the garage that was not successful. So there was a relevant real life topic that this was associated with. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if somebody wanted to go ahead and get their panties all in a bunch, you could just simply point to that. All because something is your perception doesn't make it the right perception. It's just your perception. By taking and removing this piece of this artist's work out, that would be like putting a bikini on the Mona Lisa. We talked before about how Scarface mentioned who's running the music industry, correct? So with that being the case, we know who had blow up like the world trade taken out. Plain and simple. Well, let me clarify something, what I meant by that. So I'm not saying it's right. Now, the three of us agree, and we talk about every week on this show, we defend the integrity of the art form. Okay, now this is a clear violation of the integrity of the art form by removing a lyric from the original release of this record. I'm not saying it's right. What I'm saying is I understand. Given the time frame when this remaster was released, it was at an incredibly sensitive time in the United States. In this lyric, I could see how discussions were had regarding how this lyric might be interpreted should it let go as is. Puff did it clearly out of respect. You're assuming that it's Puff. Don't forget, Puff got dough, but somebody signs Puff's check. Yeah, true, true. Like I said, you know, so you're this is assuming all that's yeah, yeah. You're assuming that it's Puff. Yeah, I don't think it was Puff, quite frankly. Quite, that's just me, and I'm just giving the brother a pass on that because <laughs> he does have a black card. So maybe I'm giving him a pass on that. True. But I, I would have to be told that it was him who had that lyric removed. You know, I'm a huge proponent of the authenticity in art and it remaining in that fashion. Gotcha. I don't wanna live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug to juggle. Another day, another struggle. I don't wanna live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle. Another drug to juggle. Another day, another struggle. I know how it feel to wake up fucked up Pockets broke as hell, another rock to sell People look at you like you's the user Selling drugs to all the losers, mad Buddha abuser But they don't know about your stress-filled day Baby on the way, mad bills to pay That's why you drink Tangeray So you can reminisce and wish You wasn't living so devilish Shit, I remember I was just like you Smoking blunts with my crew Flipping over 62s Cause GED wasn't B-I-G I got P-A-I-D That's why my mom hate me she was forced to kick me out, no doubt Then I figured out, things went for 20 down south Packed up my tools for my raw power moves Block 19 for casket and flower moves For Trump's trying to stop my flow And what they don't know will show on the autopsy Went to see Poppy to cop me a brick Asked for some consignment, he wasn't trying to hear it Smoking mad Newports cause I'm doing court for an assault And I caught in Bridgeport, New York Catch me if you can like the gingerbread man You better have your cat in hand Next track Everyday struggle. Now, on this side of the album, Biggie gets real dark with it, you know what I mean? But what do you expect, you know, from an LP that's called Ready to Die? The stress that Big details in this particular track here is so tangible, you know what I mean? Even in the hook he opens up with, he says, I don't want to live no more. 
Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door, living every day like a hustle. Well, I mean, he's basically saying even life itself is something that he has to hustle for to be tamed. I mean, if that's not stressful, then I don't know what is. No doubt. You know, I mean, because at the end of the day, here he is again, walking us through his transition from things done changed until everyday struggle. You know, I mean, all the tracks are taking you from that maturation process of him being that little kid to becoming a stick-up kid, to becoming a drug kingpin, and now he doesn't even want to live anymore because of all his regrets. He's done so much dirt, he knows he's going to catch up to him sooner or later. Mm. You know, there's, there's a lot of regret in that. I mean, let's go on to what he says next. He says, you know, B, you know, Big goes on to detail basically all the issues that he's facing. Pockets broke as hell. Another rock to sell. Selling drugs to all the losers. But they don't know about your stress-filled day. Baby on the way, mad bills to pay. You know, he don't want to be doing this. You know what I mean? He, he feels like he got no choice, man. You know, he, he, he definitely don't want to do even though he's kind of, you know, glorifying it. Or is he? You know, in this track. You know, that's I don't think it's glorifying it. Nah, I don't think so either, man. Even though that's kind of the popular trend. You know, he's not glorifying it. He's, he's definitely filled with regret right there. Especially when he goes back to reminisce about the good old days while, while sipping back on that tank of Ray. He is full of regret. Mm. You know, because he says that right after he talks about drinking the tank of Ray. What does he say? And wish you wasn't living so devilish. Yeah. Shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I was just like you, smoking blunts with my crew, flipping over six to two. You know what I mean? Now he's saying, I remember when I was just kicking it and all this wasn't so serious because now I didn't do what I should have done. So now I'm out here living this street life, this hustle life. And I think it's a cautionary tale because he's saying, don't do this. But if it's the only way, as he described in Juicy, that he can do what he needs to do, man, I ain't, listen, I'm fat. I can't be hungry. Yeah. I like, though, how we tied that all together, man, talking about... How when he was younger, smoking blunts with my crew, flipping over six to twos, just on the street playing dice, little street hustle, to then flipping back to what he says in the hook, hustling for life itself. Bro, that's a that's point of this shit right there. I mean, he, he's, he's now hustling just to live. So, I mean, there's a lot of admission in this track. I mean, he admits that a lot of this is self-inflicted. You know, if you keep going, if you keep going, he says, um, you know, smoking Newports because I'm doing court for an assault I caught in Bridgeport, New York. I mean, that's him. I mean, it's self-inflicted. A lot of this shit is self-inflicted. You know, because GED wasn't B-I-G. I got P-A-I-D. That's why my moms hate me. He didn't want to go to school. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. But he acknowledges that that's the reason why he's in the shit that he's in. And you got to give Big the shout-out because Big acknowledged the first go-get-it guy. <laughs> the gingerbread man. Oh, yeah. Whatever you did to the gingerbread man, it didn't slow him down. He was after that paper. <laughs> Catch me if you can like the gingerbread man. Metaphors. By Big putting that in his track, he's touching you. That's a touch point. That's a soft touch point. That's marketing. You know what I'm saying? To draw you in. Touch on something from your past, from your childhood, it makes you reminisce. So now you're thinking, damn, the gingerbread man, he got you. Yeah, this was a, definitely a dope track, man. Um, very dark. My favorite verse is the last one. It's so dark, and like I said, full of regret, man. He said, I'm seeing body after body, and our mayor Giuliani ain't trying to see no black man turn to John Gotti. Then he goes on to say, my daughter used a potty, so she's older now. Educated street knowledge, I'm a molder now. 
trick a little dope, buy young girls fringes, dealing with dope fiend binges, seeing syringes in the veins, hard to explain how I maintain. It's crazy, man, how, like, you know, he's going back and reflecting on that life that he had and regret. It's just full of regret, man. He's full of regret. He acknowledges that he has a young daughter that needs to know better. Yeah, man. Yeah. 150%. And my favorite is verse two. I had the master plan. I'm in the caravan on my way to Maryland mm. with my man, Two Tex, to take over this project. They call him Two Tex because he took Two Tex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Again, he's touching on that 10 crack commandments mm -hmm. that, he's, that, that he's going to drop later about getting out. You know, my mom's kicked me out. Then I figured out Nick's went for 20 down south. Packed up my tools for raw power moves. Glock 19 for casket and flower moves. Mm -hmm. and, and I keep harping on this because today in hip hop, they would tell you sell drugs right in front of your house, sell them to your mother, sell them to your grandmother, doesn't matter, get that paper, man, mm -hmm. because you need that Gucci belt while you sip on your lean. Man, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. Who wants to tear down their own community? So for people who are out there who may be new to hip hop, who don't even understand hip hop, this might be a good piece to let them listen to because at the end of the day, hip hop is about telling you what the struggle is and how to get away from it. That's the essence of hip hop. Don't be that idiot who's spending three, $400 on a Louis Vuitton or YSL belt and you sharing a room with your brother in the projects. You can pay rent somewhere else. I sat up there and said last night, you know, get, get the socks that you can afford, not the quitters. John, you didn't hear the story earlier. You know what quitters are, John? Those are the socks. I know what you quitters are, man. You pull them up, and five minutes later, they back down by your ankles. Those are quitters. Girls have quitters, too, but they're titties. So, you know, when you're 25 to 29, your titties are sitting perfect. You you mess around, you hit 35 to 40, your titties sit up there. They've been in war brawl all their life. They're like, look, I'm about to quit this job. They, they didn't quit on you. They're they hanging low at that point. So you got quitters out there. He's not happy about this. That's what you keep talking about. Scott is regret. And what you've been saying, too, that it's a cautionary tale. I mean, I go back to my, third, to my, to my favorite verse, verse 3, man, right in the middle. He says, the crack smoke make my brain feel so strange. Yo, Big wasn't a crackhead. He wasn't smoking crack. What he's telling you was, I'm in the trap, and that's what it smells like. That's right, what it, that's right. What, that's what it makes me feel like. And right. I don't, I don't want to be in here, man. But then he goes on to say, breaking days on the set, no sweat. Drunk off Moet, can't bag yet because it's still wet. But he stays under the influence because, you know, if he was normal, if his brain was, was lucid, he couldn't contain what he's seeing. He, he, he couldn't contain the visuals. You know what I mean? He, 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 you don't want to be here, so let me, let me alter my state of mind so I can at least handle this for the amount of time I got to be in here and do this. Then he, goes on to say, then he goes on to say, but when that drive, back in five at a time, I can clock about nine on that check cashing line. So you know what that's about. It's payday. You know what I'm saying? People, yeah, yeah. people have money on the first, you know, and so Big is right there. He knows where to find, you know, his... Uh, you know, his fiends at, you know what I'm saying? And then he says, I had the first and the third rehearsed. That's my word. There he goes again. The first is payday. The third is when that welfare check come in. He knows what day is time. You know, it's, it's time to get paid. Like, like, like you and Debt were saying, there's caution in there. There's a cautionary tale behind, right. behind all of it. He goes on to say, thick in the game, these knew my first name. The detectives are after him. They got him. They know where he's at. They know what he's doing. But then he questions himself. Should I quit? Nah, I can't quit, even though they had me scared. So he's admitting, like I said, this is a really personal track. You know, Big admits that he's scared. You know, he don't want to do this. He's scared. He knows that there's no happy ending to it. 
but I got to do what I have to do. He said, yo, they got eight, but I got to tech with air holes. When I met you, I admit my first thoughts was a trick. You look so good, huh? I suck on your daddy's dick. I never felt that way in my life. It didn't take long before I made you my wife. Got no rings and shit, just my main squeeze. Coming to the crib, even had a set of keys. During the days, it helped me bag up my nickels. In the process, I admit I tricked a little. But you was my bitch, the one that never snitched. Love me when I'm broke or when I'm filthy fucking rich. And I admit, when the time is right, the wine is right, I treat you right. Next track, me and my bitch. Now, I talked a little bit on the, I believe it was the last track, about how this half of Ready to Die is like more of a dark, a dark album. You know what I mean? Big goes deep. He gets real dark with some of these tracks. He, he covers, you know, some really, some really dark issues with respect to his, to his street life and whatnot. But um, this right here is another dark joint. But um, there's just so many things to talk about with this particular record here, man. First of all, this is that that seminal street tale, that 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 street love tale, and the consequences surrounding all of that. You know how big detailed the first thing that that you know came to his mind when he met her, you know was the trick. You know what I mean? But he changed his mind quick when he realized how down she was. You know, um, he said, "I never felt that way in my life. It didn't take long before I made you my wife. Got no rings and shit, just my main squeeze. Coming to the crib, even had a set of keys." During the days, you helped me bag up my nickels, but in the process, I admit, I tripped a little. You see how he took off the armor right there? He took off that street armor and let you in and kind of let you see who Christopher Wallace is? No doubt. And and I think that's why this is one of my favorite tracks, bro. He comes in to this one after he loses his friend, Tech, mm -hmm. and he's showing you through the titles of each one of these tracks how he's growing and changing as an individual. You know, Juicy, everything's great. Then the struggle came on, and now it's just it's just me and my chick, like you said. Mm -hmm. Come in the house, take off that street arm, and you gotta be able to relax and put your feet up around somebody. Yeah. You gotta be able to be yourself somewhere at some point in time. We already know that he's regretting a shit ton of his past because he already said, you know, I'm gonna drink this Moet, I'm gonna smoke this weed. And that Tangeray got me reminiscing. Now I finally have somebody I can just chill with. You know what I mean? I like to go to verse two when he talks about moonlight strolls with the hoes. Oh no, that's not my Stilo. Mm -hmm. I want a bitch that like to play CeeLo and craps, packing gats in a coach bag, steaming dime bags. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He wants his equal in a female form. He has to be able to vibe with somebody on a certain level because of how deep he is into that particular lifestyle that he's in. Who rips this track and makes a whole nother track but just flips it up a little bit? The Lost Boys, Renee. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of Renee, what happens at the end of Renee? She she gets killed. You just hit on something right there that I really want to hit on right now, man. It's just the second thing I said up front, man, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can talk about with this track right here. I mean, you can go on for weeks on this one. But the second one is the impact of that word. You know what I mean? The word bitch and the degrees of its meaning. You know, I take you to the end of verse one, you know. He said, but you was my bitch. The one who never snitched. Love me when I'm broke, when I'm filthy fucking rich. And I admit when the time is right, the wine is right. I treat you right. You talk slick. I beat you right. So 
that particular verse, that particular, those, those couple of lines right there are so loaded, man. I mean, you know, that's not a word that I use in my house. That's not a word that I use around my friends. You know what I mean? But again, I'm not trying to excuse Big or, 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 or give him a pass for, for using it. But if you want to get into it, you know what I mean? The varying degrees of what that word means. I mean, he's not, he's not using it to, to, uh, you know, to slight her. He's, he's using it as a term of endearment. You know what I mean? He's not trying to be derogatory with her. You know right. I mean? Well, well, that's well, that's hip hop, right, Scott? Yeah, I that's mean, hip hop is sure. to take a word. You know, that's how they try to portray how they flip the word nigga. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, take a word that is otherwise offensive mm -hmm. and make it a term of endearment because that's hip hop, making something out of nothing or taking something and reshaping it, right. reforming it, right, to fit the hip hop culture. Now mm -hmm. everybody wants to be that. Well, that's that rage against the machine that we talked about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of my point. You know what I mean? That's that's. I remember the controversy around not just Big and his lyrics, but lyrics in general as a whole. I mean, you go to the last line that I quoted you. He said, "I treat you right. You talk slick. I beat you right." He's not talking about physical harm. Nah. He's not talking about that. He's talking about look. I treat you. They just had wine. You know. I, I treat you right. You talk slick. I beat you right. He's talking about laying it down. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yep. I mean, it's a sensitive topic, though, man, and deservedly so, man. But if you're looking at it as art, mm -hmm. then you have to not find it offensive the same way you don't find the naked statues in the Louvre offensive. And I think that's the key component that is often left out whenever you're talking about hip hop. One of the things you said, John, in the beginning, or one of the things we talked about was how as we progress through the album, Big lets you more and more into who Christopher Wallace is. You right. Know? And I think he did that more on this album than he did on Life After Death. You oh, yeah. I mean? he, was oh yeah. more, he was more uh, sentimental with this one. If you look towards the middle of this track, love kind of takes over. Love takes over. And, you know, Big wasn't shy about his admissions. Even the most battle-hardened street cat can't escape love. I don't care how you slice it. You can't escape it. It's the most powerful force in the world that there ever was and ever will be is love. He said, and if I deceive, she won't take it lightly. She'll invite me politely to fight, G. And then we lie together, cry together. I swear to God, I hope we fucking die together. I mean, that's about as sentimental as a battle hard street cat's going to get with you. I mean, what more can you say about Christopher Wallace and what he was willing to you know, to divulge to his to his fans. You know what I'm saying? But the the end of this track here is where the realities of that of that hustle game that you're talking about that come to fruition. You know, he said she helped me plan out my robberies on my enemies. Didn't hesitate to squeeze to get my life out of danger. And then it gets into the part of the song where where John was talking about. You know, that that unfortunate ending. You know, it's never a happy ending. Never. You know what I mean? His you know, Big's enemies and, 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 and rivals, they sent the type of message in retaliation that can only be interpreted one way. You know, I take it to that last verse. He said, one day she put 911 on the pager. Had to call back, whether it's minor or major. No response. The phone just rung. Grabbed my vest, grabbed my gun to find out the problem. When I pulled up, police was on the scene. He had to make a U-turn, make sure my shit was clean. Drove down the block, stashed the burner. Stepped the police with the shoves and the pushes. It didn't take long before the tears start. It's Christopher Wallace coming out now. I saw my bitch dead with the gunshot to the heart, and I know it was meant for me. 
I guess the niggas right. felt like they had to kill the closest one to me. And when I find them, your life is to an end. They killed my best friend. It's just a cycle. It's just endless right. cycle. You know what I'm saying? They tell you that in a heartbeat. Like, yo, yeah. you want to hurt somebody, kill the closest person to them. Because yeah. you know what? I'm not killing you. Mm-hmm. I'm killing your heart. Because you know what? You got to live and go on with that mental, you know, that mental destruction. No doubt. That's the coldest right there. It's like, you know, I'm not going to get you yet. I'm going to let you die a thousand deaths before I actually kill you and, and end your suffering. See what I'm saying? I'm going to get the closest one to you, just like you said. That. So wait for it. You know I'm coming, but you just don't know when. To all the ladies in the place with style and grace, allow me to lace these lyrical dishes in your bushes. Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies. The back of the club, sipping my wet is where you find me. The back of the club, macking holes, my crew's behind me. Mad question asking, blunt passing, music blasting. But I just can't quit because one of these honeys Biggie got to creep with, sleep with, keep the epic secret. Why not? Why blow up my spot? Cause we both got hot. Now check it. I got more Mac than Craig and in the bed. Believe me, sweetie, I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends with Benzes. See notes by the layers. True fucking players. Jump in the rover and come over. Tell your friends, jump in the GF3. I got the chronic by the Next track, Big Papa. Now this is that quintessential club joint that Bad Boy was so famous for back in the day. Just reminisce and, and, and you know, you can place yourself in just about any situation with this track right here. For me, it's college. You know, this song come on. Bruh, Bad Boy was killing it on the club scene back then. There's so many memorable lines in this joint. It would take a week to go through. Oh, man. You know, it would, it would take a week to go through it properly. You know what I mean? To all the ladies in the place with style and grace. Allow me to lace these lyrical dushes in your bushes. Only Big could pull that off, yo. Only yo, it's big. crazy. Yeah, well, it's I crazy. I mean, disgusted. <laughs> when it said that, you stupid. And hear that part, I'm like, oh, 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 big just went to, like my back cringed. Like, oh god. Mm. This is one of those we made it tracks. You understand what I'm saying? This is definitely one of those we made it tracks. Like you said, Bad Boy was killing the club scene in '94. No doubt, man. And again, the production on this comes in it just it just again it's chucky thompson yeah you know i mean he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of love but again it's him again and how this thing just runs up on you it runs up on you so smooth you know what i mean because it's it's and that's the persona of biggie is that he's smooth so this beat matched that persona so well and he's just big time in the club right now you know what I mean? His whole crew is lounging. What he say, no need to be greedy. I got mad friends with Benzes. C-notes by the layers. True fucking players. However, living better now. Coochie sweater now. Drop top VMs. I'm the man, girlfriend. Hey, this, honestly, I got one slight issue with this track, though. It's out of place. It should have happened earlier. <laughs> it should have happened earlier in the LP. You know what I'm saying? If he's, ah, it's he's, he's he's you know what I mean he's 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 going dark with it. You see what I'm saying? He got everyday struggle. Me and my bitch. You know, this should have happened around Juicy. Nah, I think I think this is that big papa because now guess what? Fuck it all. Okay. I'm just partying. All right. 
You know what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, whereas, you know what I mean, put it a little further up. Yeah. You know, because because you know that's those were happier times mm-hmm. but what happens at the end of every struggle the rainbow comes yeah you understand, you understand what i'm saying you know it's always darkest before the dawn mm-hmm. and this is and this is his dawn right here i'm just man my my boy tech got killed my chick gets killed i got cats i had to kill two cats because they're trying to come at me man let's fuck it all man let's just party I don't have a I don't have just one cat. I got my crew. Now I don't have just my down chick. I got all these broads calling me Big Papa. Forget it. This is this is who y'all want me to be? Say hello to the bad guy. <laughs> I love it when they call me Big Papa. Free Big Meech. Oh Lord. You stupid. Yo, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> BMF, free Big Meech. <laughs> Hey, but you know we cannot talk about this track without talking about this verse right here. You ready? I'm ready. Pull the truck up front and roll up the next blunt so we can steam on our way to the telly, go fill my belly. Mm-hmm. A T-bone steak, cheese, eggs, and Welch's grape. And I know I didn't sing it the way that they did it, but it's just, that's a meme now. That's breakfast, bro. What are you talking about? That's breakfast. Right. You know, you throw between the sheets, you put big on top of it, it's, it's a hit. No doubt. Ten times. No doubt. Ten. And then listen to Big play around with his vocabulary. You know what I mean? Watch a movie in the jacuzzi. Smoke L's while you do me. Only Big can pull that off. This right here, easily one of my favorite tracks on the whole album. Man, respect. This is this is Big's autobiography. Three minutes. You know, another cautionary tale. I mean, let's talk about. He starts off with his birth, and then you know he ends the song with a message. And this is kind of what we've been talking about as far as a crew. You know, with this particular soulhead man, you got to have a message, man. And I think this track here, more than any other on the whole album, had a clear and concise message. You know, for not just his fans, but for the young ones. If you go to the, the very beginning of the song, man, he says, you know, no spouse in the house. So she wrote for self. He's talking about his mom. To the hospital to see if she can get a little help. Umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. I'm seeing my death, and I even took my first step. I made it out. Right. I bring in mad joy. The doctor looked and said, he's going to be a bad boy. I mean, obvious drop for bad boy records, man. But, you know, Big's telling you, I mean, he struggled before he even, you know, entered the earth. You know, it was his his whole life has been a struggle, man. And then after that, you know, he, he had aspirations of grandeur through the hustle game. You know, fuck getting it honest. He said, you know, so school, I didn't show up. I fucked my flow up. Mom said I should grow up and check myself. 
before I wreck myself, disrespect myself, put the drugs on the shelf. Nah, I can't do that. Scarface, King of New York, I want to be it. You know, he loved Frank White. Right. You know, rap was secondary. Money was necessary. You know, that was right there, the line that really, you know, clued me into who Big was. I mean, he just rapped to get money. It wasn't the other way around. You see what I'm saying? Right. It was something that came so easy to him. You know, it, was, it wasn't something he had to work for. He was natural with it. It wasn't something. He had to, it wasn't something he had to practice. He didn't do it. He didn't do it for almost like he's saying he didn't do it for the love. I'm not doing this because I like doing it. I'm doing it because I want that money. I want it. I want you know. I want it. I want what. I want that dream that puffs over. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And but like you said, it's a cautionary tale once again. And see, here's where people separate themselves in life. There's that pivotal moment when you have to either shit or get off the pot. So what, what was Big's pivotal moment for him to shit or get off the pot when he went to jail, all right? Because he said that was kind of scary. C-74, Mark 8, set me straight. Not able to move behind that great steel gate. Time to contemplate. Damn, where did I fail? All the money I stacked was all the money for Bell. So he's telling you that whole big time drug dealer life that I was just, that I just kicked. For the first 11 tracks, and look where it got me. Mm -hmm. All the money I stacked was all the money for Bell. So now, I can either keep doing this and keep ending up here, because, because guess what? The first time it went down, I thought I was doing it all right, right? And then boom, he gets knocked. C-74 Mark 8, and what did he say about it? It set me straight. Yeah. But people gloss, people gloss over it. Ah, oh, yeah, no, nah, it set me straight. I'm not going back here. He told, he told, he told the CEO when he was leaving, eat a dick, I ain't coming back here, you know. But he rewinded it in this song, so you're hearing it as he went in before he made that statement. You know what? What you just said started the my my favorite part of this whole song right here. And this is this is again, this is Christopher Wallace. This isn't big talking to you right here. He said, 1994, now I explore new horizons. Mama smiles now when she sees me, that's surprising. As I open my eyes and I realize I changed, not the same deranged child stuck up in the game. And to my niggas living street life, learn to treat life to be the best, put stress to rest. That's the message, yo. That's the message that we talk about, man. Non-stop on this, on this show right here. You know, you gotta listen. You know, that's Christopher Wallace talking to you. That's not big, yo. No, fuck the bitches, fuck all the stink assholes, all my niggas know, you know my dick, you know how we play, fuck the scandalous ass you know how I go, boots, I meet a bitch, fuck a bitch, next thing you know, you fucking a bitch, you just pass around shit, pass the shit like a coal and shit, fuck now when I'm fucking off gin, I'm invincible, don't love no hoe, that's my principle, cause uh, bitches come, bitches go, that's why I get my nut and I be out the fucking dough, they might be the one to set me up, wanna get their little brother to wet me up, that's why I choke texts and stuff to get them off my case, just in case the little fucker ends up misplaced, I don't give a bitch enough to catch the bus, and when I see the scene and I'm leaving, bitches be scheming, I can't that's why I keep my windows locked in my clock cock. One host said, Why you so hard on us? Why you swear all bitches are so scandalous? Thug nigga till the end, tell a friend, bitch. Cause when I like you, then you go and fuck my friend, bitch. The next track, friend of mine. Now, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, you know what I mean? But this is another cautionary tale. 
Um, not necessarily for the street, but it's for for the female. You know what I mean? This is this is big, pretty much. You know. I mean, I'll just let his lyrics do the talking. He said, now when I'm fucking off gin, I'm invincible. Don't love no hoe. That's my principle. Bro, I got to be honest with y'all. I mean, that gin is vicious, though. <laughs> it's some Superman shit, right? I mean, y'all y'all know what I'm talking about with that. Goodbye, <laughs> but, um, but do you think Big wrote this after he got his heart broke? I mean, is he mad here or what? <laughs> I don't know. Was it this album or the other? I think it was the second album. When he sit up there... And you get that phone call, I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. Like, fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? That right there is serious. Yeah. But I mean, they say the truth, the, the three girls that he loved or was close to like that was Little Kim, Charlie Baltimore, and Fate. Mm-hmm. So you, it could have been one of those that broke his heart. I mean, we all know Faith was his wife, and we know the rumors that swirled around that later on, and that hurt his heart but i mean he was still he was still big he was you know he let you know in some of these songs he could be vulnerable too even though he's a thug a thug right. can be vulnerable that's my point man i think this is one of them tracks that i think this is one of them where he he opened up you know he, he showed you christopher wallace again on this one you know i seen her on the block who's she rapping to that's my nigga d damn he got g now she fucking him and fucking me see you know that ain't right you know big caught feelings when he saw his girl with his man <laughs> but he said she's doing him and doing me. Yeah. He ain't say now nah, I gotta stop. All right. Well, I know where it is now, so I'm still gonna hit it. But I'm just gonna put it in perspective. But he still caught feelings, though. You know what I mean? He still. Oh yeah. Feelings. Yeah. He still caught feelings. You don't, you don't catch feelings. You know, a hood booger can get you feelings, but it's just how you handle those feelings. Right. It also seems to me in this track, man, that he's trying to define, to further define or justify the use, or in this case, the overuse, of one of the only words in the dictionary that's guaranteed to get a reaction from females of any race, any nationality, any religion, political affiliation, discount card holder, whatever you want to call it, that word bitch. He went in. He went in. I think he was mad. I think this is part, this got to be part autobiographical, man. I mean, he goes on to say, now I play a far like a moon play a star. She still swept me hard because I'm a rap star. I be cruising up the block. I be passing her, pimping hard with the female passenger. And the only time I call her to hang is when me and D blunted up, pissy, scheming on a gangbang. He's getting that revenge. That's that ultimate revenge you get right there, man. You know, we need, I think we need to find out who, who D is, man. I mean, John, what's that number again that they can call into the, to the studio? Come on, call the station. Holler at us. <laughs> seven 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 ninety three eleven. <laughs> if y'all don't know, that's a little time right there, a little Morris Day for you. <laughs> oh, come on, you know we know that. Since since we're talking about Big being so cool and so smooth, what we're looking at is Big going through the matriculation of his life in that retrospective look, and he's bringing you along that journey. Now we're here. Yeah. You know what I mean. I think it was shocking to me. I don't know why, man, but it was a little bit, not shocking, I don't know if that's the right word, but it surprised me a little how, how far and how deep Big lets you into his life. You know, he was very open and honest. You know, he kind of showed you his flaws. He showed you the chinks in his armor. You know what I mean? And to do that in your debut album, man, to show you that you're vulnerable, like Dead said, you know, to, to love 
to, 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 to drop those little subtle hints and messages to the youngins about the dangers of the street game. I mean, you're talking 1994 here, where the fad at that time was, you know, you know what it was. It's all about the violence and this, you know, even Big himself on this one talking about the text and this and that. Big was vulnerable on this album right here, man. Again, like you said, it's his debut. Mm -hmm. It's long. Real long. He had a lot to say. Dude went through a lot. I just think he was um, introspective during a time when when yeah, when it wasn't one. when it wasn't something that was that was done. You just didn't do that. You know, fat, black, ugly as ever. Nobody talked about themselves like that, man. He took Big took his flaws and he threw them in your face and he made it a part of his character. He made it a part of who he was. And we all gravitated toward that like flies on shit. I think it made it okay to, to have flaws and to flaunt them. You know, but I took it a little further and just, you know, you gotta remember what we're coming out of. We're coming out of the 80s where, you know, we're not too far post civil rights. We're not too far post, you know, double digit unemployment in the African-American community. We're not too far post the president of the United States when Martin Luther King's birthday was declared a holiday saying he wouldn't celebrate it. Right. You know what I mean? That was Ronald Reagan, for those who don't know, and that was when Martin Luther King's Day became a uh, holiday. He said on open mic, I'm not celebrating it. So this is owning yourself as every, as people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the way I took it, his whole big persona. I mean, Ronald Reagan. Mother F him and John Wayne. <laughs> Son, the loudest one representing BK to the fullest. Gats I pull it. Bastards ducking when big be bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my back room. Fucking it ain't nothing. They know big be handling with the Mac in the act door paneling. Bandaging MCs. Oxygen they can't breathe. Mad tricks up the sleeve. Wear boxes so my dick can breathe. Breeze through in the Q45 by my side. Lyrical high. And those that brushes my clutches get put on crutches. Get smoked like touches from the master. Next track, Unbelievable Now. Let me say this. First off, the Preem beat was completely bananas. He killed it. He destroyed it. Signature DJ Premier sound right here. That traditional, you know, boom, bap, and peace to president with that R. Kelly sample was serious. Yeah. Serious, yo. I feel you, Scott, because you know what? Not to, not to break in because, you know, I don't talk that much on some of our reviews, but I want to tell you this. This is the one that made you ugly sitting in the car. Yeah. This is that one that made you look at somebody like, damn, did you just come from throwing up? Because you just had that face on, like, mmm, just, just, dump, 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 dump. That just came live from Bedford Stuyvesant, the liveest one. Yeah. Represent BK to the fullest. Yeah. Cats are full. Bastards ducking when big be bucking. Chicken heads be clucking in my bathroom fucking. That yeah. got me hyped right now. I, I want to wrestle my dress. That signature big, man. That signature big. I mean, big right? had the, right? big, big had that impeccable timing. Big had that timing, yo. He was the instrument. His 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 style. If you ever want to compare Big to Rakim, this is the time to do it. You know, he had that timing that that uh, that a jazz trumpet has. 
you know, over a track and to do it on this signature DJ Premier joint. I mean, first off, I mean, <clears throat> let's talk about that. The fact that this is Big's last chance on his debut album to tell you, number one, where he's from. Right. There's, right. That, there's that box. You got to check off that box. Tell you where you're from and then tell them how dope you are. Second box right there. So he checked all he checked the, those same boxes that all the icons did before him. The yeah. wordplay game yeah. in this track is the deepest from all the tracks. I agree. A hundred percent. B I G G I E A K A B I G. Get it? Biggie. Biggie. <laughs> Get it? Also known as right. Bon Appetit. Rappers can't sleep. Right. Need sleep. Right. They keep creeping. <laughs> Come on. Bullets heat seeking. Casualties need treating. Dumb rappers need treating. Come on. Lesson A. On. Don't fuck with the B.I. That's that. I love that part, man. Lesson A. Don't fuck with the B.I. And that's it. No more lessons right. after that. I love, I right. love, I love when they, I love when they give you instructions, yo. The end of verse one. Breeze through. In the Q45 by my side, what is he? Lyrical high. He told you coming into this track, we about to get lyrically high right now. And those that rushes my clutches get put on crutches, get smoked like duchess from the master, Dutch master. Hate to blast you, but I have to. You see, I smoke a lot. Your life is played out like Kwame and them fucking polka dots. Who rocked the spot? Biggie, he told you he gets high. Mm -hmm. You know how the weed go. Unbelievable. Man, the lyrical acrobats in this freaking cut right here. And dead, as you already said, the beat is bananas. And I love the fact when he sat back, oh, you thought he was wacko, come, come now. <laughs> Why y'all so dumb now? Hunt me or be hunted. I got 357 ways to simmer saute. I'm here. You don't want to speak up? Oh, all right, cool. Or my forte causes Caucasians to say he sounds to he sounds demented. <laughs> Car, weed sent it. If I said it, I meant it. Bite my tongue for no one. Call me evil or unbelievable. Man. Turn up. Turn basically, up. Basically. Basically, I'm not, listen, this is who I am. Like we talked about, what did he just say a couple tracks ago? What were we just talking about, man? About how this dude was talking about how he owns his own skin, right? I'm big, I'm fat, I'm black, I'm ugly as ever. However, I stay coochie down to the socks. But now he's telling us at the very end of this, bite my tongue for no one. I don't care what y'all think. I am who I am. So what? Call me evil or unbelievable. Period. Go to the end, yo. Go to the end of the song. He said, MC's... I knew you were say it. Yeah, yeah. MC's fear me. They too near not to hear me. Like, I know y'all niggas hear me, man. Right. You know what right. I mean? And if you go back, I'm going to break here for a second. If you go back and check out the icons that we've been covering, you know you iconic when you drop a word or a phrase or something and it trends throughout the entire game. Right. Rakim did it with dead presidents. See what I'm saying? He said he said he, he used that word, everybody used it. Big, <clears throat> he used that word triple beam. Nobody was really saying that until Big said it. Talking about that weight scale, right? He no, said, no doubt, no he, doubt. He said, clearly I'm the triple beam dream. One thousand grams of uncut to the gut. It seems fucked up the way I touched up the grill. 
trying to play gorilla when you ain't no killer. The gats by your liver, your upper liver, your upper lip quivers. Get ready to die. Tell God I said hi and throw down some ice for the nicest MC. Niggas know the Stilo. Unbelievable. Come on. How do you end the track any better than that, John? How do you do you with can't. that? You can't, bro. You can't. Nah. Which is which is why Jay-Z borrowed it later. She ain't the only one. Biggie Smalls is the illest. With a track like this, I mean, oh, how could you disagree? What the fuck time is it, man? When I die, fuck it, I wanna go to hell Cause I'm a piece of shit, it ain't hard to fucking tell It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies Dressed in white, I like black Tims and black hoodies God'll probably have me on some real strict shit No sleeping all day, no getting my dick licked Hanging with the goody goodies, lounging in paradise, fuck that shit I wanna tote guns and shoot dice All my life I've been considered as the worst Lying to my mother, even stealing out a purse Crime after crime, from drugs to extortion I know my mother wish she got a fucking abortion She don't even love me like she did when I was younger Sucking on her chest just to stop my fucking hunger I wonder if I died, would tears come to her eyes? Forgive me for my disrespect, forgive me for my lies My baby mother's eight months, her little sister's two Who's to blame for both of them? I swear to God I wanna just slip my wrist and end this bullshit Throw the magnum to my head, threaten to pull shit And squeeze the beds, completely red. I'm glad I'm dead. A worthless fucking Buddha head. The stress is building up. I can't, I can't believe suicide's on my fucking mind. I wanna leave. I swear to God, I feel like death is fucking calling me. Calling nah, you wouldn't understand. Nigga, talk to me, please, man. See, it's kinda like the crack did the pookie in New Jack. Except when I cross over, it ain't no coming back. Should I die on the train track like Rainbow and Beach Street? People at the funeral frontin' like they miss me. My baby mama kissed me, but she glad I'm gone. Now, as far as dark tracks go, and this is what I meant before when I said that um, Big Papa was misplaced, because in my opinion, Ready to Die had a defined direction. You know, almost like side A, side B. You know what I mean? And side B is where he was the most vulnerable. And he was at his most vulnerable in this track right here, Suicidal Thoughts. Produced by easily one of my favorite producers of all time, Lord Finesse. I can't say more about the quality and the depth and the darkness of this production on this track. It was perfect. It was completely perfect. And this in this track here, you know, I think there's no better way to to end an LP called Ready to Die than with this track. Yeah, man. You know, I don't disagree with you. You know, from the aspects of how we step through this album, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how he sees himself going out because of all the regret. Yeah. This is all that regret that has built up. Mm-hmm. He can't drink any more Tangeray. He can't drink any more Mo. Can't smoke any more weed and Optimals. 
You understand what I'm saying? He can't bang out any more broads. He's at the end of his wit right here, man. You know what I mean? And he knows he doesn't want to go to heaven because he doesn't want to see all the people whom he have hurt. You know what I mean? He wants to, he has relegated himself to being the bad guy. And that's what we saw. We saw that transformation, especially when he went to the Big Papa aspect. He, that was his arc. And he was just like, I'm done right here, man. I'm just all sold out for this game. He came to terms with it. I mean, he, he, this is just one verse. Yeah, this exactly. Is just, this is just one verse. Exactly. You know, it's a phone call. You know, he called his man. This is Puff, you know. And uh, he starts off, you know, when I die, fuck it. I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell. It don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies all dressed in white. I like black Tims and black hoodies. You know, God will probably have me on some real strict shit. No sleeping all day, no getting my dick licked. I mean, he came to terms with it right there. He's no telling doubt. you, you know, I'm not good enough to be up there with y'all. I'm not. I did dirt in my life. I fucked up. I'm, not, I'm a piece of shit. You know, but, um, you know, in coming it's to terms. for forgiveness. Yeah, but in coming to terms with that, you know, he's admitting. He's, there's so many admissions in this album. It's ridiculous. I sleep all day. You know, I fuck with girls. I do shit I'm not supposed to do. You know, and, um, you know, he's coming to terms with it all. This is his confessional right here. No doubt. And you know he I mean? confesses to his mom, too. Yeah. He says, all my life I've been considered as the worst. Lying to my mother, even stealing out her purse. Crime after crime, from drug to extortion. I know my mother wish she got a fucking abortion. Mm -hmm. So don't even, she don't even love me like she did when I was younger. Sucking on her chest just to stop my fucking hunger. I wonder if I died, would tears come to her eyes? Now he's asking her, forgive me for my disrespect. Forgive me for my lies. And that's what he's doing. He's admitting to himself. And then he comes back later on with life after death. Because right here, what he kills himself right here. Yeah. So you see him put away that old man and ready to die. Because he was ready to die for selling drugs. Ready to die for his crew ready to die for anything to get money to take care of the problems that were that was in his life at that time. I love when they get personal. You know, and Big lets you win more so on this track than he did on any other. I mean, say what you want about Puff. I mean, he I think he's annoying as shit. You know, like, especially when it's, you know, nah, I do, man, I do. You know, you get an album like this, Ready to Die, right? And it's big, and he's being introspective, he's vulnerable. And you got big, you got Puff in the background. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The words of Scott are not necessarily the words. Of <laughs> Even though if they're true. Yeah, but, 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 but there's a big but there. On this track, he was money. Puff was money on this track. As, oh, yeah. As playing the dude on the other end of the line, trying to talk sense into Big. You know, Big was like, fuck that shit. I want to tote guns and shoot dice. You know, and Puff was like, nah, you talking some crazy shit now, nigga. You talking stupid. Shut up, man. You know, he's the one that's, that, that's trying to talk him off the ledge. You know what I yeah. mean? So I, I, I love Puff's role in this song here, man. You look at Big's body of work, right? I mean, his debut album, Ready to Die. And like John, you said, at the end of this track, he, he kills himself. Right, he shoots himself, two shots to the head, right? And then, you know, it was like two years later, he come out with Life After Death. It's a continuation. He killed off 
Biggie Small. He killed yeah. off the old Big, and now life after death, you got the new Big. You know, he's the successful one. He's the one that his mom is proud of. You know Notorious. What I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely felt it. Uh, I understood. You know, now looking back on the tracks, I mean, looking back on Big's body of work in its totality, you understand. You can see the progression. One of the things I want to say about this track, you know, specifically the production piece, Lord Finesse, one of my favorite all-time producers. I mean, only right. only somebody like him. I mean, digging the Crates crew, they know where the dope samples are. You know what I mean? And they, they pick samples based on merit, you know, based on legendary, you know, what it means to the song. I mean, if you dig into this particular track here and dig into what Lord Finesse was trying to bring, I mean, he went... He went to the to the master of darkness, to the master of introspection, and that's exactly. Miles, and that's Miles Davis, man. I don't know if I'm going to do it any justice as far as you know discussing how he put this thing together, but "Lonely Fire" by Miles Davis, man. If you if you understand Miles, you know understand what he was dealing with, the demons, you know, uh, you know his personal life and things of that nature and how he brought it out in his trumpet in that muted trumpet you know in this in this in this music that we call jazz and then how Lord Finesse took the essence of that and put it into this last track Suicidal Thoughts on Ready to Die then you start to understand you know the setting that Lord Finesse was trying to put you in the setting that Big was trying to put you in, and it all comes full circle. Exactly, it comes full circle, man. You know, and there's no better way to lay and to finish this album than with Miles and Big. Niggas is trying to eat. That's all I look at it as. Niggas want to eat food. Niggas is tired of being on the streets. Niggas tired of robbing and stealing. Niggas tired of selling drugs. They got little rap skills. They want to put their shit out and, and try to get some money. Niggas tired of being on the hood fucked up. I mean, if they, if they think coming off the streets is destroying yourself, man, fuck it. Take control of your shit. Don't, don't be the type of rapper. Don't be a stupid rapper. A stupid rapper is a motherfucker that has somebody else tell them what to do. You really have to question it and find out why they want you to do it. Most niggas, they feel like, well, you see what Biggie's doing? You know, he has the hat, the kango, and, and this, and you have to be like that. But if you don't really want to be like that, you don't have to be like that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of motherfuckers just try to tell a nigga to do something so quick and, and give them examples of other motherfuckers that did it and blew up and make them think that they can do the same thing, which is not always necessarily true. It's a dog-eat-dog dog world. Niggas is trying to get as much as they can. And if you're an ignorant motherfucker, they're going to thrive off that. They could tell you anything. And I'm, I've never been stupid. So, I mean, I, I ain't going to lie. At one point, the music was more important because I knew that if I did good in the music, I could take care of my family a lot better. So I was more pushing towards making sure the music was tight, making sure every show I did was right, and just trying to get as much money as I could so I could take care of my family. Now that the job is basically done, I could chill. My music really ain't really got no messages like for somebody else to listen to and like learn from. It's just basically 
an autobiography of myself, you know what I'm saying? You can take it either way you want to. You can take it as you want to be like me, or you can take it as you want to stay away from what I was doing. I'm just making music, that's it. Everybody try, but they don't succeed. Brooklyn is the real shit. Thick shit. What are some of the things that you've had to overcome? What I had to overcome? I don't know. Poverty? Police? A little bit of everything, man. I met a nigga from the hood that got a little bit of rap skills, man. Came up with my shit. I bumped into Puff. Bumped into my man Gucci Don. They just took me the right route, you know what I'm saying? Now my shit is tight. I'm living better now. Gucci sweaters now, you know what I'm saying? It's all good. I was fucked up, now I'm doing all right. The Soul Train Music Award goes to Notorious B.I.G. Check it out. Yo, check it out. I want to give a shout out to my borough. Brooklyn is up in here. Representing. You know what I mean? Check it out. I want to give a shout out to my management. Puff Daddy, the whole label of Arista. Um, the producers, Trackmasters, the whole bad boy staff, my little girl Tiana, my mother. And everybody that helped me, all my fans, one love to all y'all. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. I'd like to welcome all to the right. stage the lyrically acclaimed. Ha. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase. He went from ashy to classy. Ha. I like that. So everybody in the house, give a warm round of applause for the notorious B.I.T. The notorious B.I.T., ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for him, y'all. Uh. A nigga never been as broke as me I like that When I was young I had two pair leads Besides that The pinstripes in the gray uh -huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays uh -huh. While niggas flirt I'm sewing tigers on my shirt And alligators uh -huh. You wanna see the inside huh. I see you later Here come the drama Oh, that's that nigga with the fake uh -huh. Wow Why you punch me in my face Stay in your place Play your position uh -huh. Here come my intuition uh -huh. Go in this nigga pocket Rob him while his friends watch it And hoes clock it uh -huh. Here comes respect his crew's your crew, or they might be next. Look at they man, ah, big man, they never try. So we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean, loyalty. Niggas bought me milks at lunch. The milks with chocolate, the cookies, or the crunch. Now, as always, you know, I like to leave you with a positive quote. So maybe this can inspire somebody to uh, excel in their day. So let me just tell you worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strengths. So stop worrying about what's going on tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future, and just take care of yourself today. And that is my quote of the day. I'd just like to say, let me give a shout out to the bartender the other night, Wednesday night at 78 Lounge, the brother I bought dinner for that night too. Appreciate all of y'all. Remember what you said, brother, that you would actually pay it for. So don't forget to do that for me. Everything is great. I can now announce that I will be in charge of a comedy 
internet channel coming up in April. It'll be launched at the end of April. So stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned for my blog that's going to be released this year, too. I got a lot of things I said going on, a lot of positive things, and those who, who have helped me along the way, those that are standing in the background, pushing me on and working with me on these projects, thank you. Without you, none of this would be possible. Peace. All right, y'all. First and foremost, man, I want to give a big what up to my homies, Josh, Saul, Joe, Gabe, Chris, and Sai, balling out in the Philippines, doing that thing. Fellas, keep doing what you do. I got nothing but love for y'all, man, and, uh, you know, big ups for the right, sports right. podcast. Uh, second, I want to give a shout out to one of our biggest fans on the page, and that's Farrah Lunsford. You know, she always comes through and she always comments on everything that we post, everything that we talk about. And there's always love coming from her, man. So, you know, I just wanted to give you a shout out, you know, brighten up your day because you definitely damn for sure brighten ours. You know, keep checking the page and keep sharing us no with your friends. No and, um, we definitely appreciate you. I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, John McKenzie. You know, he's someone that I was going back and forth with on a post. And uh, we had different viewpoints, man. But, you know, we came together kind of at the end and, you know, kind of agreed to disagree. But at the same time, you know, showing respect for each other's viewpoints. And that's what this thing is all about, man. I mean, we sit up here and do this show. I mean, we're not, you know, trying to enforce our opinions or impose our opinions on y'all. I mean, we're just discussing. We're just roundtable discussing. You know, and you don't have to agree, you know, um, or, or you know, like what we say. But, you know, it's, you know, it's an organic discussion. It's not scripted. We're not trying to ruffle feathers. And, you know, John had his viewpoint. John McKenzie had his. I had mine. But at the end, like I said, I mean, we kind of agreed to disagree. And, um, you know, that's just, the, in my opinion, that's the essence of hip-hop. We come from different regions. And um, we came together on that, man. So much respect and peace to you, John. Um. And lastly, I'd like to give a shout to my man, Mannix, out of Detroit, you know, and my man, Greg Maloney, out of Harrisburg, PA. I think two of the, of the most intelligent brothers with respect to hip-hop. I mean, you guys know the production aspect inside and out. You constantly, you know, we have great discussions about, you know, what samples went where and where they came from and who used them and things of that nature. So much love to you guys, man. And last but not least, you got to give it up for Hip Hop Golden Age, y'all. I mean, they took our podcast and, you know, kind of took us on no their doubt. backs. No and doubt. just, you know, they've been spreading the love since the start, man. So much love, much respect to HHDA, www.hiphopgoldenage.com. Check them out when you get the chance, man. They, they got that dope content, man, and they, and they really understand what this thing is about. Them dudes over there, man, they get it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I'm constantly yeah, going to them for the information, John, you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. That's all I got, no. though, man. What you got? Nah, man, you know, for me, it's always the same. You know, I'm loving all the attention we're getting on the uh, Instagram page as well as the Twitter page, but nothing right now is surpassing the love that we're getting on the Facebook page. You know what I mean? And it's people like Gerald Green, you know, who's always, always keeping us on our toes. Vaughn Thorpe, you know, these guys, man, they're, I mean, they, and not to say that no one else is commenting because there's a lot of people who are commenting, but these are some of the people who, you know, they've been doing it for such a long time, we're starting to recognize your names. So we would like to put that challenge out to everybody else on the podcast Facebook page, to everybody else listening and, and hitting us up on Twitter and also hitting us up on Instagram. We want to know all your names. 
You know, we want the conversation to be organic. We want the conversation to be just as lively on our social media platforms as they are here on the podcast between myself, Detron, and you, Scott. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we want, that conversation. Because from that conversation, you know, we get that small little ground rumbling, and then all of a sudden that conversation becomes louder, and then it gets louder, and then it gets louder. And sooner or later, the people who have to listen can't tune us out any longer. You know, there's also Ronald Drinkwater, and, you know, and I hope I don't mispronounce this cat's name right here because I, there isn't a post on the page that this cat hasn't even that hasn't posted on each post by about three or four, maybe five times. This dude loves hip-hop so much. And that's William Boikwino. And I know I mispronounced your name. Uh, Scott, help me out with the pronunciation of William's name, bro. I think it's William Banquino, but, you know. Banquino. Yeah. There it is, Banquino. You know, Scott's, Scott's a little bit more world-traveled world than I am. You know, when I was traveling the world, I had a gun in my head uh, for the Marine Corps, so I wasn't necessarily picking up on the local dialects. <laughs> but, uh, but no, listen, we really just appreciate all the love you guys are giving us. Um, start, start grabbing these T-shirts, y'all. We're starting to get in more pictures from people who have uh, picked up the tees. So that light podcast apparel's out there. Get us trending hard. That's that hashtag TLP. We really appreciate that because the more, again, that we talk about what real hip-hop is, the more we start the conversations as to how to break down the lyrics, then that breaks down the walls from those who don't understand hip-hop. And that's what we're about. We're the light podcast. We're shining the light on real hip-hop, and that's what we're about. Three minus four. Don't think shit, stink, pink gators My Detroit players, Tim's for my hooligans in Brooklyn Dead right, if the head right, Biggie there, and I Papa been school since days of under rules Never lose, never choose to, bruise cruise who? Do something to us, talk go through us Girls walk to us, wanna do us, screw us, who us? Yeah, Papa and Pop, close like Starsky and Hutch Stick to clutch, yeah, I squeeze three at your cherry M3 Bang every MC easily, easily, recently Niggas frontin' ain't sayin' nothing, so I just speak my peace, keep my peace. Cubans with the Jesus peace, with my peace, packin', askin' who want it, they got it, nigga flaunt it, that Brooklyn bullshit, we on it. Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken, you're so fake. Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me, and I just love your flashy ways. I guess that's why they're broken, you're so I put O's in NY onto DKNY uh-huh. Miami, D.C. prefer Versace That's right. All Philly hoes know it's Moschino Every cutie with the booty for the coochie Now who's the real dookie? Meaning who's really the shit? The niggas ride dicks Frank White pushed the six Or the Lexus LX Four and a half Bulletproof glass tents If I want some ass Gonna blast squeeze first Ask questions last That's how most of these so-called gangsters pass At last A nigga rapping about blunts and broads Tits and bras Menage a trois Sex and expensive cars I still leave you on the pavement Condo paid for No car payment At my arraignment 
note for the plaintiff. Your daughter's tied up in the Brooklyn basement. Face it, not guilty. That's how I stay too. Richer than rich. So you niggas come and get me. Come on. Biggie, biggie, Sometimes your words just hypnotize me And I just love your flashy ways Guess that's why they're broken, you're so bad. 